Welcome to episode 121 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and joining me tonight is my other co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how's everything going for you this evening? Awesome. I have lots to talk about, and I'm looking forward to talk about it. Oh, excellent. This is very good. Oh, man, dude. So uh, you guys probably don't know, we use Zencaster to record, and yeah. tonight they've updated the website, and this is so distracting because like our voices are like <laughs> going across the screen. Like You can see the, the different levels of when we talk floating across the screen now, so that's that's distracting me, so I apologize. But It, it makes me think I'm about to uh, get caught in an earthquake. Yeah, exactly. It's like a seismograph. <laughs> That's what it yeah. looks like. Yeah, you were totally right. So but unfortunately, I, I, Ash... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I can tell by the graph here that I have a very pretty voice. It, it does look pretty. You you do create some pretty patterns. So good yeah. for you. And, and you're a solid second. You're like a solid yeah. second though, like just under. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my, my one concern is that mine is moving slower than yours, which leads me to believe that our audio drift problem is still going to exist, which is very frustrating. Uh, we'll soon but, find out. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. All right. So yeah, unfortunately, Ash got tied up at work uh, this week, and so he won't be joining us, but hopefully he'll be back next week when we wrap up our Scandinavian horror arc. Fingers crossed. Uh, of course, next week. Yeah, next week we'll be reviewing Let the Right One In from, I believe that's like, what, 2008? Somewhere around there, the original. Yeah. Not Let Me In, but Let the Right One In. Yes. I've seen it once. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Yes, me too. You're absolutely right. That's, I've seen it once as well. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch it again because I loved it the first time around. So, mm -hmm. excellent. So, today, man, the weather is as bad as it could be. Um and so I'm. I was fortunate enough that my boss let me take off early, so we could uh, get here in time to do this show tonight. Uh, but man, like the weather has just been so nice, and then all of a sudden, boom! Here's another fucking like five to nine inches worth of snow, just to for the hell of it. Like it felt like spring the past three days. It rained this morning, all turned to snow. So now there's like three. Uh, there's about three to five around here. Five to nine up by works. I work north. What a pain in the ass, man. I'm so ready for spring. Yeah, I think I'm going to be dodging that bullet. Um, Good. But like two days ago, it was plus eight degrees Celsius. And hmm. uh, today it was just zero. So um, we're well, feeling it, but I don't think we're going to get a lot of snow. I think we might just get one or two centimeters. So fingers good. crossed on that as well. Very good. Mm. Yeah. So Excellent. All right. So tonight we are going to trek on with a review of 2011's The Monitor. Plus, we're going to move on to round 51 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge, where we're going to discuss Bad Moon and For a Few Dollars More. Yeah. So I'm excited for both of those, too. But before we do all that, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. Yes. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. And you can also check out our long list of past reviews and all, pre, uh, and all 121 podcast episodes right over at cinefessions.com. And also, if you are a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are essential to helping us grow. So we thank you guys so much for your support there. And also, like we've been saying, tell a friend about us. If you like what you're hearing, just let your friends know we exist. 
they can listen to us as well and we can help, uh, you know, help reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. Yes. So excellent. So what? Go ahead. Yeah. You're ready to say something. It it is crazy. We're at like episode 121. Mm -hmm. Like there's 121 episodes of our podcast out there. Mm in the ether that anybody can pick up and listen. Like, I think it's fantastic. It just shows that we've got longevity. We've got legs. I think next Damn right. is going to be a TV deal. Yeah. <sighs> Duh. I mean, yeah. I didn't think you were going to spoil it like that, but well, yeah. I yeah. say once, once we get to 135, I, I, I feel things are going to change. That's right. You're, you're, I feel it too. I feel it too. Things are, it's a rumbling, you know, it's like you're down in the, in the, in your tummy. It's just yeah. rumbling and it's ready to explode. So yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I went to the bathroom before the podcast, but either way. Uh, oh. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, excellent. So mm. let's talk about our week in media. I'll, uh, I don't have too terribly much to talk about. Well, I say that and I might be lying, but I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first here. Okay. So uh, on the film front, I the only movie I actually – actually, no, that's not true. I did watch – I watched another one last night. Uh, but I watched The Day After Tomorrow from 2004, which I just – I love that movie. I loved it the first time I saw it in theaters and I've seen it so many times since and it's just fun. Like it's just a fun movie and it's one of my wife's uh, favorite films mm-hmm. and so she watches it a lot. Um, I really wanted to watch it on the big screen but like – it was cold the night we were watching it. And when you go in the basement, it's just, it's really cold in the basement. So that shit wasn't happening. So we ended up watching it just on our regular TV. But but then you would still, have been, you've been immersed in the story. You know, you're so right. cold. Day after tomorrow, it's about a freeze, you know? Exactly. Like, hold, I, me that's closer, very true. hold me closer. Like, oh. Right. <laughs> hold me closer, tiny dancer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so watch that one again. Love that one. Gave it three and a half stars. It's just, I, I just love that movie. It's just fun. I'm trying to think if I even own that film. Oh, I know okay. I think I think I saw it at the drive-in. That oh, seems really? a little late. Yeah, I could be wrong, but it seems it's possibly. Mm-hmm. I honestly I don't remember, but I remember seeing it once, and I don't know if I own it, but I remember liking it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know that's something I Bridget and I've been talking about wanting to do is go to the drive-in because there is one relatively near us, and I've uh-huh. never gone uh-huh. to a drive-in movie before, so oh. I really I need to do that this summer. Oh. Yeah, I love drive-ins, and I didn't go to one last year just because life got in the way of things, and I was never around, to be honest with you, with work and all that stuff. You know, I was gone for a month during the prime drive-in season, Um, but I went to see Lights Out, and I went to see, oh, it was two horror movies, I guess two years ago at the drive-in in in Quebec, and uh, it was fantastic, because Winnipeg lost their drive-in a long time ago. And uh, now there's a few of them where I live now. And uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. Although I did kill my battery. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, it was a good time. I got a booze and everything's good. Excellente. Um, I started the, <laughs> I started the Emoji Movie. Um, Why? But I didn't finish it. I don't know because like I like those movies sometimes. Really? There's so yeah. much out there to watch. And you decided to watch Patrick Stewart voice the poop emoji i i yeah i I did that was the choice i made yes but did you wash your hand i wanted something on in the background that like i didn't really want to pay attention i was kind of like tired i was like ah whatever sure Uh, so i put that on but it was like it is it was it, it was so stupid it was just dumb like it wasn't a very engaging story and I just ended up falling asleep about 20 minutes in. Um, <laughs> I just, I thought it might be worth a chuckle or two, but it, it, 
just it wasn't it felt like a poor man's like toy story or wreck it ralph yeah yeah but it never kept my attention they did release a new trailer for the wreck it ralph sequel but i that's what i thought i refuse to see it i don't want to see it i know that i'm going to go see it in the theaters so i don't want to see a frame of it until i sit down because i love the original wreck it ralph I did too. It's fantastic. We used to watch that movie when I worked at Family Video. We used to watch it all the time. Well, I did because yeah. I worked a lot in the mornings and I was there by myself. I used to watch it all the time. That and the uh, the Katy Perry movie. So that's what I did. The Katy Perry movie? What movie was she in? <laughs> yeah, no, it's the Katy Perry movie. I think it's what it's oh, called. That, is, it's just is like a... a <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh, her no, and Orlando no. Bloom just bumping uglies. Oh, oh and high res. Yeah. In high Lord rates. of the Rings, indeed. Huh? There you go. There you go. Yeah, and I used to watch. Um, there was a Michael Jackson like video. Uh, it was like of his last tour before he died. I don't can't remember what it was called, but I used to like the like uh, movie shows like that because they had music on it. Yeah, and so I actually get, listened to music I enjoyed. So that was mm-hmm. I like that about him. But uh, anyway, so then like the big one I ended up watching. So we were supposed to record Tuesday. Things got crazy. We ended up skipping and we were here Thursday. But yeah. uh, that worked out for me because in between, I watched one of my personal Cinefessions films. Ooh. And I did it on the 28th. So I'm still only officially one month behind. So I don't feel too bad. Okay. So uh, I don't know what I like. I think it was something on Twitter. It was like the most random reference to... Uh, I was going to say Tomb Raider, to Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like watching that movie tonight. So last night, I ended up watching Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time on the big screen. And? And I liked it. Um, I really liked it. It is... So... Okay. A couple things about it just like threw me off. Okay. Like I was really surprised. So the first thing that I was like, Really? One of the most, even as someone who's never seen any of these, well, I've seen the fourth one, but everyone says it doesn't count. No, it doesn't count. Um, And so I haven't really seen any of these. And the most iconic image to me from Indiana Jones was him running away from the boulder. Mm -hmm. That's one of the most iconic images. That happens, and this isn't a spoiler, like that happens like in the first 10 minutes, even if even 10 minutes in. And I was like, holy shit, like that's at the very start of this movie. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised. Okay. That was number one. Number two, this takes place in like the 1930s. Yeah. I, that was my mind exploding. Really? I had no fucking idea. I didn't realize that. Even having watched the fourth one, because now that I think about it, uh, Shia LaBeouf was dressed up like some 50s kid. Yeah. And so that must be why. But I watched that movie once in theaters with all my friends, because they all liked it and they I wanted to go. So I went to go mm-hmm. see it. And I really, I love Shia LaBeouf. I always say that. I love him. And so I saw it, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I remember there like something with aliens maybe at the end. And that's but like, I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because like, the, uh, yeah. because like the, he's known to, to fight Nazis because he's a pulp hero. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, George Lucas was, no, is that Lucas? I think Spielberg. Yeah, right? but I think Lucas produced it or he. Yeah. It's a Lucas arts film. Yeah. Uh, but he wanted to like recreate like uh, the pulp serials of like the 1920s Lucas and 30s. Um, okay. yeah, so he's a pulp hero. Um, that's why he's fighting Nazis a lot and he gets into shenanigans, you know, uh, uh, like a, yeah. it's like, a, I guess he's a modern day, early, you know, uh, 1900s swashbuckler right, in a way, right. you know, he's a pirate mm-hmm. without a shit. Yeah. Um, and I, 
I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, there's no denying that it's a fun movie. Like, right from the start, you're you're tossed right in. Shit's going. Um, there's a lot of fun to be had. There's like cartoonish villains, you know, all these Nazis and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fun to watch. I loved. And man, I'm. <laughs> so what I know of John Rise Davies is more yep. of his newer stuff, where he's like in the B movie game, like hardcore. And yeah. uh, I thought he was just fantastic in this. I loved his character in this. And I've not seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but apparently that's like his other big claim to fame. But mm-hmm. And it was in Sliders too, I believe. W- which one? Sliders? Uh, Sliders TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've not watched that either. But <laughs> ah. so that's what I know of him is all these, these B movies. And he's always kind of like a, he's not really usually the main character in those either. Sometimes he plays a bigger role, but whatever. Uh, but he was—he's just excellent in this. Um, the the female lead is is a lot of fun. She's great. I love the way they build her character. Um, mm-hmm. Drinking all the shots and the big guy, the big dude passes out, but she's totally fine. Yeah, uh, and I, I and I love her. Yeah, you know, uh, like she, she's just she's got this this beauty and like mm-hmm. that smile can disarm a guy with a gun. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. That's why, like everything I see her in, like in like Karen Allen in Starman and in Scrooged. You know, and then she mm-hmm. goes, she's in Indiana Jones four, uh, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, she's great. I think she's the best leading lady that he has in his film series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Because she's really like his counterpart, you know, she's as right, tough. Exactly. Like, there's no like, you know, I'm the man I have to save all the time. Like they're really, mm-hmm. I think, I believe on the same level and uh, especially mm-hmm. for like, you know, in the early 80s, so that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, exactly. That's what, and that's what I was surprised about. Um, was that aspect entire uh, exactly uh, because of the fact that it was an early '80s film? I was just expecting it to be, you know, the guy saves the girl and they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, and there is, there are aspects of that, obviously, but that's not really what it's about. They're very much, like you said, very much equals, which I love. Um, what else about it? Um, so many different set pieces. Oh. The, the probably the most brilliant aspect of it has to be the lighting design. Like there are s- just some shots that are absolutely stunning and it's because of the lighting. Um, I can picture one with the sunset in the background. You, you just see them in shadow as where they're starting to dig when they think they found where the, the arc is, is buried and all that. Like just a beautiful shot. Uh, there's, there's multiple other ones too, but um, that's the one that immediately springs to mind. Um, so one thing that, and it's not even a negative, it's just like what I was thinking, I was like, man, like I would love to like one day show my kid this movie, mm-hmm. but it, and it almost feels like a family film, but there's just a little too much blood and violence for it to really be a family film. And so it that tone is kind of, it kind of threw me a little bit. Like I wasn't sure if it knew what it was trying to do exactly. Well, it's. 80s PG, right? So 80s PG right. can have nudity in it. You could have uh, an F word. The times have yep. changed. Exactly. Oh, and don't forget the face melting at the end. That's kind of scary for kids too. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I never knew. I've seen that face melting gif. For <laughs> no idea it was from, in, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. So that was mm-hmm. cool to finally put that together. But um, I think at the end of the day, I am, I'm giving it three out of four stars. Okay. Um, it's a it's a good movie. I really liked it. Um, I will. It's definitely one I would watch again in the future. It did. It did start to feel a little long at the end. Maybe that last half hour could have been chopped up a little bit to make it a little shorter feeling. Yeah. Um, but you know, other than that, I just it, it, it's definitely an enjoyable film. So, 
glad, glad that I watched it. And so now I got to continue on with the rest of the series well, eventually. Now here. what you can do is, uh, I believe I gave you the code for it. Um, so Draft House Films had that documentary, Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about the, the kids who did a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, well, I need to see that. N- now you can watch it. If you don't have the download code, I can resend it to you. But uh, yeah, so the whole documentary, the whole documentary is the kids, uh, you know, they're like, you know, 12, 13 years old and they're reshooting yeah. the film shot for shot. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. Now, I, my my first indie film was, uh, was uh, Temple of Doom. Okay. I like it because it was the first one. A lot of people find it's yeah. a dip in quality because it's a little scarier. It's a little, it's, you know, it's, it's a little different. Um, it's, is that the second or third one? That's the second one. Okay. Uh, and it's, and it's because of that film that I'm terrified of insects. I just hate bugs. Oh, okay. Because of this movie. Um, and then the third one is uh, snakes in the first one. So <laughs> uh, it continues. It's a pattern. And then the third, okay. third one is the last crusade, which is by far my favorite one. And that has Sean Connery as uh, Indy's dad. So, okay. yeah. And then, well, the fourth one we don't mention. So, but yeah, watch the next two. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're going to love Last Crusade. Very good. Yeah. So, I'm happy I knocked that one off. So, I don't know what which one I'm going to watch next. See, the problem is I put really long films on my personal cinefashions list. And I just don't feel like sitting down for three hours sometimes or two, two and a half yeah. hours. And so... Like I like 2001 a space odyssey is on there. And like, that's like almost three hours, I believe at least two and a half. And it's like, man, like I want to watch it, but I don't want to, I just don't feel like wasting that much time out of my day to yeah, do it. So I know what you mean. Eventually. But yeah. Uh, we're continuing through friends. Like I talked about last week. Um, I don't know why, but I've been watching a lot of, uh, wrestling again mm-hmm. lately. I guess when I watched Royal Rumble back in January, at the end of January, I kind of whetted my appetite for uh, wrestling again. And so I've been watching some, oh, you know, a bunch of old pay-per-views on the WWE Network. Um, I ended up watching uh, WCW Uncensored 96, Royal Rumble 2001 and 2004, uh, Fully Loaded 99, Hell in a Cell from 2012 and 2009, ECW's Guilty as Charged 1999, and then I watched Elimination Chamber from last year, and I watched Jeez. this Sunday. That's a lot of Chamber. wrestling. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, most of the time it's just out in the background when I'm like on my computer messing around, you know? Um, And so, yeah, that's why I put that on when I don't have to pay Mm -hmm. too close attention. But yeah, and a couple of things I realized while watching through these. So the 2001 Royal Rumble is arguably one of the best Royal Rumbles they've had. It's fantastic. Um, And uh, another observation even though I I loved ECW when I was watching it new, I really feel like their old pay-per-views are almost always like lackluster. Um, like this Guilty as Charged one, for example, it suffers from what I've seen on these other ones where there's just there seems to be like a lack of focus and this real feeling that they're just trying to kill time to pad the show to make it feel like a, a bigger event. Um, but really there was only like two matches that we really were talking about in this one. And that was, uh, just incredible versus Tommy dreamer in a stairway to hell match, which is just a, a ladder match, but they're climbing yeah. for weapons instead of the belt, which I don't even think they ended up getting a weapon like in that way. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but it was, it was still a fun match to watch. Oh, and it had, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, bass, yeah. Nicole bass. <laughs> oh, what scary, a trip that was. Um, she was, and she's just a horrible, horrible actress at that point. I don't know oh, if she got better, yeah. but like she was terrible right then. And then the main event was Taz versus Shane Douglas for the ECW World Title. Um, that was that was good too. But otherwise, it was just pretty crappy. Like not a not a good pay per view. Well, I find ECW is organized chaos. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, like one thing leads to another, like it just segues in without like any any breaks sometimes. Yep. Um, yep. If you listen to the Killing the Town podcast, it's with Lance Storm and Cyrus the Virus. And oh, okay. they, they go through all the uh, episodes and pay-per-views. Chronologically. Oh. Uh, so you get their idea of what? what's going on. Yeah. I stopped listening to it just because I have too many podcasts that I'm following. So I, that one had to get cut. But uh, they've been doing it for about a year now. and again, That's awesome. What's that called? Killing the Town. Killing the Town. Okay, yeah. I'm going to add that because it was funny that you mentioned that because I was going through the WWE Network a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. And I realized that they have the entire ECW run, like WWE's version of the ECW, which was terrible, you know, on sci-fi. I never They have the it. entire run. Oh, you never watched any of no, it? I did. No. I watched it when it first started because Kelly Kelly was on it and Kelly Kelly was- Oh, sure. Wow. Gorgeous. Yeah. And so that's, and I loved ECW and I was a huge, I was watching everything wrestling at that point. So I, of course, was watching it, but I, I'm so tempted. Like I want to start at the beginning and work my way through all, it's like 193 episodes of ECW, WWE, ECW. And uh, only I think they only had one brand specific pay per view, and that was December to December to December or whatever. Yeah, which was the lowest grossing, uh, lowest buy rate of any pay per view in WWE history, yeah. and one of the lowest selling live events in history. So yeah, I might have pirated that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, and frankly, it's it's not a hor. I watched it recently. It's not a horrible pay per view. It's just it feels there's nothing special about it. like almost all the matches could have been on regular well, television, which I feel like is a problem we get a lot nowadays. They were trying to re- but this of course they were trying to rekindle the ECW magic, and you, yeah. with the with the WWE machine, you can't. It's mm-hmm. impossible. No. You, you want to like feel that magic they, again? You got to watch the indie uh, feds that are on the Powerbomb.tv and on High Spot Wrestling Network. Yeah. But uh, having a multi-million yeah, dollar company try to redo a low budge uh, indie promotion, it's just it's it's it looks too smooth, too sharp. It doesn't work. And if they would have just if they would have given Heyman the reins, it could have worked a lot better than it did. But they kept like shitting on his ideas and like changing things last minute on him and just fucking with what he yeah. had that eventually he just walked away. Actually, actually after the December two dismember pay-per-view, he walked away. He quit. He was like, fuck it. I'm well, done. Cause they screwed up. If you're interested in the mystique of ECW, I know that the high spots network has a show mm-hmm. that it's uh, a guy and he's got four former ECW workers, valets, whatever. And they just talk about a specific mm-hmm. Um, point of the promotion every episode i forget what it's called i don't have the network anymore but it was really good also okay. kind of sad to see some of the guys like saturn he oh he's yeah and he was so scary when he was in the eliminators you know with cronus mm-hmm. yeah now he's like a shell of a man you know mm-hmm. it's it's really sad to see you know and like he had to go fund me recently because he was yeah. things were so bad. And then you like you see just incredible looking a little bloated. Um, you know, yeah, he got he was he showed up drunk to an event yeah. like I don't know three or four weeks yes. ago, and yeah, that made a shit show. So I'm hoping stuff. he gets the help that he needs. But you know, like exactly. he's on that show, he's wearing a scarf and he's drinking from a big, mm. uh, big like slurpy cup. You know, so I'm like that's ah, probably yeah. full of booze. You know, so it it is kind of sad yep. to see guys exactly. that you saw you know back then. Now yeah. that they're like some are doing well, like Shane Douglas is doing good, Blue Meanie's doing well, but some guys just aren't, and it's it's just part of the business, I suppose. You know, it's a machine that you know takes you in and spits you out. So, yeah. So speaking of um, the Elimination Chamber, yes. so I watched that one 
um, this Sunday. And I mean, like, it just pisses me off because the WWE had this golden opportunity to deliver on probably one of the better WrestleMania cards because they could they'd have AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, which would be it's just going to bring down the house if they don't yeah. fuck it up. And they had the opportunity to do Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman, and Braun is like awesome. The guy is a fucking beast, and I want to see him fight Brock so badly, and everybody does. And so what do they do? They have fucking Roman Reigns beat Braun after Braun eliminates five of the seven people oh, really? in the fucking elimination. Like it was, I apologize if you were planning on watching it, but I don't no, think you do no, anymore. I, so I wasn't, I wasn't. Yeah. Like it just pisses me off. Like they just shat it away again. I'm like, what are you doing? And now they have this, uh, and now it's possible that they're going to screw up Nakamura and AJ Styles because they have AJ Styles fighting in like a six way match or seven way dance or some shit at the fast lane pay-per-view with Cena and uh, oh, really various others. Yeah. So if they like, if it's, if they fuck up, and it's not Nakamura versus AJ Styles for the WWE title. I'm I'm not watching Mania because I just I'm fucking done. Like I don't give a shit. If they keep fucking with us, I'm not going to continue to watch their product because it's bullshit. Yeah. I do not need to see Roman Reigns fight Brock Lesnar again. It was shit when it happened two years ago. It's going to be shit again. Like I just don't fucking the, the, care. And this is why I don't have the network anymore because I would be excited to watch the pay per views. And then I would yeah. hate watch for two and a half, three hours. And then end, you know, my Twitter rant. And like, why did I waste my evening watching a pay-per-view? Knowing <laughs> far well, I'd probably not like it to begin with. Um, right. But I am, I'm still. I liked. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I liked it because it was the first ever women's elimination yeah. chamber match. And that was actually a fun match. I liked was it, that. Was it and historical? My girl, Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Oh, I like. Of course it was historical, yes. They have to stop the whole <laughs> historical <laughs> angle. Every new thing they do is historical. You know, like enough yeah. already. You know, like <laughs> fuck man. <laughs> like you're beating a dead horse. But I like seeing them. I know, but I like seeing uh all the women take take a take part in these um gimmick oh. matches like this, like the women's Royal Rumble was totally. awesome. But just um, stop hyping every it. new thing as a historical first time. Like start maybe right. focusing on the exactly. competitors in the ring, you know, in the match. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just nitpicking. And and they're getting rid of the brand split pay-per-views. Yes. They're, Fastlane is the last brand split pay-per-view. So I, I'm interested to see if they are going to eventually, you know, get rid of the brand split again. But <sighs> I don't know. There's just so many wrestlers. Like, yeah. you're going to – how do you do that? I just don't and know. NXT is fucking full again, you know. So I don't know yeah. what they're going to do. I really don't. Maybe they'll run more I NXT shows, you know. Yeah, I, I really don't know, knows, but I, I'm really I I have very little time because I'm watching so many flicks again. Um, I, yeah. I want to get the New Japan service, and then I do too. But I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. But like the stuff that they're doing is apparently amazing from what I hear on Reddit. So exactly, but I just don't know if I can. Uh, and plus, it would be fun to get up at two in the morning to watch it live. <laughs> you know, right? But I don't know. Exactly. I don't know if, like, if I get the service and then I got to play catch up and I don't know mm -hmm. if I have enough time dedicated for that on top of everything else I'm doing, you know? So I just, I still, I need to watch, what was it like Wrestle Kingdom 10, uh, whatever the most recent one was with, um, it was 12 this year, like with uh, 12, okay. when it was uh, Omega versus Jericho. Yeah. Like, or, um, actually I want to see that too, but the ones before that, when it was Omega versus whoever the Okada. other guy was, he had two Okada. matches. Yeah, Okada. Two thank matches. you. Like I need to see those. I haven't oh, seen they had those. Three matches in the last year. Three. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I need to. I need to see those. And so. I want to. How do you? I got to even. I got to look that up because I didn't even realize. I guess so. Is it like WWE Network, but for New Japan? In a way, it's like Chromecast. So you sign up. It's like nine ninety nine yen, which is like ten bucks a month. And uh, okay. I just hook up, hook up the service to or your phone to your Chromecast, and you can uh, you can cast it to your TV. Interesting. Yeah, I have to I have to take a look. But that's why I didn't get shutters because it's only on Chromecast or. Uh, oh, it's on. Roku. I could only access on my Roku, oh. and. Oh, I never use it and I hate it. It's on Chromecast <laughs> as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's funny though, because I wanted to kind of get rid of some devices, but Amazon mm-hmm. is not available on Chromecast. So I can't cast Amazon oh, really? Prime. Um, so I need my PS, uh, I need my PS3 and my PS4 for that. Yeah, you can do it on your play, on your console. That's what a nine anything I'm using is almost exclusively via my console. Yeah. Um, like I have a Roku, I might as well not. I have an Amazon uh, Fire Stick. I hate that thing with a passion, okay. so I might as well not. Like everything I'm trying to do, I have to be able to do it through my console for me to really like actually use it. Yeah, I really want to get rid of most stuff because I I don't need a Roku, a console, and a Chromecast hooked up to one TV. Right. And exactly. uh, right now, right now I do because yeah. I can't do Amazon or Prime Video via Chromecast unless mm-hmm. I'm missing something. I just haven't figured it out then. But uh, now I was trying to to cast uh, uh, a show. I mm-hmm. couldn't do it. I had to pop on my uh, PS3 because it's it's localized. My Roku, oh. because it's American, will only uh, display American stuff, which is frustrating because I can access it. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's so annoying. Yeah. What else did you see? Uh, so that's basically everything I, I, I saw in, in that aspect of it. But I did do some spending this week. Oh. Yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so... GameStop, they had their Pro Days sale, the first one of 2018. Um, what was it? Saturday, I guess it was. Um, and during that, they had their four for $10 sale going on again, which so games marked $4.99 or under are four for $10. Okay. So I decided to build up my stupid collection of uh, super cheap video games again. Um, what's awesome, though, is that with the discount, and it, I guess there was like the Pro Day discount also. Anyway, it turns out, to actually be eight games for twelve bucks instead of four for ten. Jesus. So like it's a dollar fifty a game. And like shipping was only like or and there was no shipping. Just just shipping was free. So it was just tax. Okay. So it was only like an extra fifty something cents. Like so fucking cheap. Um, and so I ended up grabbing like the rest of the because I'm trying to collect all these old sports games, which I've talked about in the past. Yeah. Because I want to. That's that's what I love. So why not have them? Sure. Um, and so I grabbed basically all the the rest of the Madden games I needed to complete my seventh and eighth generation collections of that series. Okay. Um, so all of PS3, Xbox 360 era, and PS4, Xbox One era. Um, the only th- I only need Madden 2001, two and three on the PS2. So then I'll have that. Co- collection completed because that's all i care to go back to is the sixth generation okay um and so then i'll have everything i want so i'm excited i'm, I'm not, those are super easy to get i just haven't been to just my disc replay store in a in the past couple weeks so uh i'll be grabbing those next time i go um and then along with madden games and some other miscellaneous sports games i bought cabela's dangerous hunts 2009 <laughs> blacks yeah okay i don't know america why. america dollar fifty that's yeah. why yeah, exactly Black Sight Area 51, um, Ride to Hell Retribution, okay. Shell Shock 2 Blood Trails, and SOCOM 4. And I ended up grabbing all those on the PS3. So they were $1.50 each. Yeah. So, I mean, I, who cares? It's just fun, fun, cheap way to build up my uh, my game collection. Oh, so sure. I like that. Hey, do you have a Target nearby to your place? Yes. 
Okay, so I saw on the uh, Nintendo Switch Reddit that some targets were selling their Nintendo Dock Extras. So, like, just just the dock itself for $29.99. Oh, really? Um, Wait, is it the Nintendo brand or is it a different off-brand? Nintendo brand. Now, it's it's your miles may vary, so not all the stores may have them. Online, they're selling them for $59.99, which I'm almost tempted to buy an extra dock. Um, because mm-hmm. in Canada, I can't just get the dock. I have to get like this combo set and it's $109. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I would love a second dock. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. So if yeah. you go to a local target, check out, uh, the switch section. If they have, uh, if they have, uh, any docks in stock, uh, they're probably $29, which is That's huge. So yeah. Compared yeah. to 89. So, and I think exactly. the pro controllers are on sale as well. Which you, oh wow! If you have one of those, those are awesome. I have one. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yep. That's really interesting because yeah, there's ninety bucks normally. That's really good deal. Um, and the so basically, from what I hear, is you either get the Nintendo brand or the Best Buy brand, which is Insignia. Otherwise, you probably don't want a third party no. because they can mess up your your console. But everything I've read about the Insignia and watched videos in the Insignia, those ones are actually legit and they're good. Oh, really? Uh, the Insignias are only forty bucks at, in in the states at Best Buy. Okay, and so that's what I was going to get. I just I never ended up buying it, and just I don't. I just haven't felt the need to get one yet. I yeah. guess, but. Um, for 30 bucks for the Nintendo brand, that's a ridiculously good price if you can find it. Well, if you do go to Target and you see two of them, uh, yeah. I, I, I will pay you to have one. Yeah, no problem. I'll, it's, it, I'll take a look. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I was so pissed at myself. So like, I, I've been talking about this last week too. I'm just like into racing a lot right now for some I was reason. I ask you. And yeah. how, did, how, how did you get into racing? Because now you've been tweeting yeah, about NASCAR. I, you know, so. I have, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what... I think just watching because like I watch YouTube video videos all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I you know how it goes. It's kind of like Wikipedia. Once you start clicking, you just keep going. You know, sure. keep down down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And eventually, a few couple months ago, I started watching some videos about some uh, racing video games, and then just kind of went from there. And then that got into NASCAR shit, and then started watching like old NASCAR crashes and shit like that. And so then it just it's blossomed to where it is today. But uh, anyway, F one twenty seventeen was on clarence at target when i went there a couple weeks ago okay and no, it's a 60 buck game everywhere of course i say that and this week it's actually on sale on psn for like 25 but <laughs> it was on clarence for or 17 bucks and it was before payday and i was like ah, i just i don't need it right now i'm gonna wait well get paid and i'm like you know what i'm gonna see if they still have it and i went back i think it was like tuesday or something i first saw it on friday and so I went back Tuesday, and of course, that was like the one game that was gone from their fucking clearance section. I was so pissed at myself oh, that I didn't really? pick it up. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so the other thing I bought, you know, so I, I, I decided I was finally going to make the move on something that I've been wanting for about a month, month and a half now, and that was the, uh, the racing wheel for my yeah. Xbox One. And so I ended up, uh, these things are like, they're crazy expensive. Like you can get like a cheap one is like a hundred bucks and it's shit. Like it's, you're, you're wasting your hundred dollars. Okay. And so you, you have to get one, anything that's worthwhile is going to have force feedback. Um, and so the one that I wanted with force feedback was 200 bucks and like, I'm not going to spend 200 bucks on it. Like that's ridiculous. So I decided, you know what? I want this. 
I picked up NASCAR Heat 2. I played that. Uh, I, actually, I did play that. I didn't mention that, but I did play that um, the other night. It, it, it's tons of fun, exactly what I was hoping for, but it's so difficult to to emulate what I see on Sundays with a controller. Oh, sure. Uh, like, you know, you know, and so I want, I want the, as close to the, you know, real thing as you can get without being behind it, behind the real wheel. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to do this. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do some trade-ins. Um, like I did a couple weeks back or a few, I guess it's a few weeks back now. Um, and so I ended up spending, I ended up upgrading from the $200 wheel to the $250 wheel because they have better pedals. And, it's upgradable and blah, blah, blah. So I ended up spending only $30 out of pocket for it when, after I did some trades. And so I was really excited about that. So I ended up, for those interested, I ended up buying the Thrustmaster TMX <laughs> Pro limited edition racing okay. wheel. So, yeah. Um, and like I said, I spent 30 bucks out of pocket. Um, the, the bulk of my trade-in, I decided I have my 2DS. I haven't touched my 2DS in well over a year. Um, and so I ended, I said, fuck it. I don't need it. I have, I have portability with my switch mm-hmm. and I love my switch. And so, fuck, and virtually 90% of the games I owned for the 3ds were all games were like remasters and like, you know, ports of games that I've owned for older systems. And then I continue to own like on Wii virtual console, like had the, the two Zelda games, um, new, uh, Mario brothers, uh, new super Mario brothers, things like that. Like I own those on the Wii U virtual console, the Wii U and so on. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. I don't need these. So I got rid of those. And because they were all like first party titles, I got a ton cause it's okay. GameStop. Um, so yeah, so I got rid of those. Um, I got rid of, like some just like miscellaneous games that I either didn't need or had digital copies of, uh, thanks to like, you know, PS plus or gold, whatever. Um, so I got rid of that. Got the racing wheel. Super excited to try it. It was supposed to come today, Thursday, but we had this all of a sudden I wake up and, oh, it's supposed to be raining, turned to snow, and I work an hour away. Bridget w- wasn't able to make it home to like grab it, and so I had it rerouted to like a local UPS store, and so I didn't, I didn't get it today, so I'm, hopefully it's going to be there tomorrow. Um, but I didn't want to sit out in the rain and because it would just fuck it up. So oh, I will be picking that up hopefully on the way home from work tomorrow. So I actually get to to screw with it this weekend, and I'm <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. I hope I'm going to be terrible with it to start, but uh, that's that's usual. That's the usual, I but guess. Now, so I'm excited to see how it goes. Do all the racing games uh, support these uh, driving wheels? Um, the vast majority of them do, um, and okay. virtually anything that I want to play does. So like, um, so it's for the Xbox One and PC. Okay. I'll be using it mostly for the Xbox One, obviously, but like for all the Forza games. So Forza Horizon um, 2, Forza Horizon 3, uh, Forza Motorsports 5, 6, and 7, um, NASCAR Heat 2, um, F1 2017, uh, mm-hmm. Project Cars 1 and 2, um, and there's actually some backwards compatible Xbox 360 games that work for it, like Grid 2, which is one that I'm okay. definitely going to try. Yeah. Um, and Dirt 3, Dirt Rally, and Forza Horizon, they all work for it. So there i have i own a lot of those most of those that i said except for f1 mm-hmm. um and so i'm i have a ton of stuff to play with honestly though like because i'm so for whatever unknown reason into nascar right now th- the biggest thing i'm going to be playing with it is nascar i'm sure uh-huh. um but I'll, I'll, i love forza horizon series so i'm definitely going to try that out too but, that's very cool i've always wanted one because yeah. i love see i'm an arcade mm-hmm. racer i don't like seeing yeah. games so much yeah um so and I, oh man, I would love to have a wheel, but I bet you once I get one, it'll just sit there collecting dust because I'm yeah, nothing else, you know. I bought an, I know, I bought an it, arcade stick for my PS3, which mm-hmm. works for some games on the PS4, 
I haven't touched it in years. And you know that it could absolutely do that, that which is why I didn't want to spend the cash on it. Yeah. Um, I got rid of things I'm not using, you know, and y- y- like we talked about, like, like I'm trying to make room anyway. Yeah. And so getting rid of all this other junk to have this, uh, like, obviously this takes up room, but I have, I have a spot for it, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just, even if I don't, if I'm not, if I don't use it as much as I think I'm going to, it'll be all right. Cause you know, um, I didn't actually spend a ton of cash on it. So, sure, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so I'll definitely give you guys an update. Hopefully I'll have, uh, I'll be able to try it this weekend, um, but we'll see how it goes. But yeah, post some pictures. I want to see. Yeah, definitely will. I think, so I think, so I'm going to have to buy, I, I basically found like a cheap rig that I can kind of like Jimmy, Jerry rig to make work Okay. Uh, with like a Home Depot um, workbench that I can connect it to. And then the pedals can go on the bottom. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's probably going to be the way I'm, I'll need to go, which like the rent, the bench is like 30 bucks or something. So I just have to go to home Depot and buy okay. that. But I think that's probably going to be the only way I can really use it the way I want to. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, yes. And then I did end up buying, um, FIFA 18, um, on the switch because it was on sale for 35 bucks digitally. And I still had my, um, my Christmas switch money left yeah. over. And so I ended up spending some on that. So at the end of the day, I ended up spending f- only $55 in cash and I added 17 video games and a $250 racing wheel. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty damn that, good week no in my book. No kidding. So, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And I still have like 160 bucks to blow at my local disc replay because of trades I did a few weeks ago. So they didn't have the racing wheel. I tried. I called every disc replay. There's like four within like an hour of me, and I've called all of them, and not one of them had oh. the fucking racing wheel. I was like, we'll of figure. course. So, but that's okay. I'll, I there's plenty of other shit I could spend it on. So, well, that's that's very cool. Very very cool. That's my my long week. So, what about you, uh, sir? Well, um, I had everything set up on my tablet here, so I got to go back. But I watched a bunch of flicks. I've taken some things off my list. Um, so you gave me, uh, for a few dollars more as my backlog challenge for the week. Ah, that's right. Yep. And you watched a ton. Yeah. Yeah. So because, um, that was the second in the trilogy and my third film was a good, bad and the ugly for one of my films on, you know, I should have watched already. Um, I decided to revisit all of them, but before that I had to finish a Godfather trilogy because I was going to start a new trilogy (laughs) without finishing a trilogy already in progress. Uh, right. So I finished uh, Godfather Part 3, which uh, a lot of people uh, really disliked. It's my least favorite of the trilogy, but I didn't think it was that bad of a film. Um, it has some really odd casting choices, and uh, the plot's kind of weird, because in the in the plot, the, uh, uh, the Corleones are now legitimate. They sold all their Vegas hotels and now they gave 600 million to the vatican to be part to to own Hmm. a world company but then the vatican screws them out of the money because they're dirty priests and (laughs) okay so it gets kind of weird that way but it's in godfather 3 where they have that line that's immortalized in sopranos where you know uh i think it's is it Vinny? No, not Vinny. Anyways, you know the when I think I'm out, they pull me back in line, which again I butchered it because I don't have it in front of me. But I it know, came yeah. from Godfather Three. Okay, and so I'm like, oh, it's it's my Sopranos moment. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the film's kind of weird as well because Andy Garcia's in the film playing Sonny Corleone's uh, illegitimate son mm-hmm. because he was a player, 
and uh, he has the eyes for um, uh, for Sofia Coppola, who plays Mary Colleone, which is um, it's Pacino's daughter. Hmm. Or uh, it's on Michael Corleone. It's Michael Corleone's like daughter. So they're first cousins, and they have like an incestuous, like well, not incestuous because they're cousins, but still like a a taboo like love affair. Yeah, first isn't cousin. that incestuous? The co- isn't that well, that's incestuous? Is, isn't is it, it like incestuous? I thought it had to be like, like that's dad, the- brother, sister. But oh, I don't know. It's still you might still be, get a flipper baby if it's first cousins. You know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. it's still fucking weird either way you cut it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. So you got the church, <laughs> then you got uh, them making out. Um, by the way, um, a young Andy Garcia has a very hairy chest because you see him pop yeah. in the scene. Um, it had some cool cameos. Uh, Bridget Fonda's in it for a bit, like briefly. I was hoping she'd be in it a lot longer. Uh, Joe Magnatelia plays Joey Zaza, which is an awesome uh, uh, last name. Um, Eli Wallace plays Don Cabello, <laughs> and he was the ugly in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which um, hmm. I think is a fantastic character actor. So, yeah, the movie is not great, um, but it's still not as bad as people like Doom and Gloomed it. Um, mm-hmm. But Sofia Coppola, she's a better director than she's an actress. Um, from what I understand oh, okay. is that uh, Francis Ford Coppola had an actress in mind and she bailed last minute. So he just booked his daughter in the role. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the rumor. Uh, I'm just pulling up my diary here right now. Uh, so I so rate rate the series. Oh, well, Godfather, like the Godfather, that's a five star. Um, part two, I would give it. Oh, okay. So Godfather would be four stars. Uh, Godfather Part Two, I would give it uh, three and a half stars, and then Godfather Part Three, I'd probably give it two and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, you know, one is the best, and it's two, then it's three. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty chronological. Mm-hmm. So, um, so because of that, okay. So I finished that. Oh, by the way, all the Godfather movies are almost three hours long. So you're, you're yeah. You're talking about like these long movies. I watched right. a lot in my in the days since our last recording. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. So I finished a two hour and fifteen minute film, and then I jumped into the Man with No Name trilogy. So the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns with uh, Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood. Um, so I rewatched A Fistful of Dollars um, because uh, I hadn't seen it in years, and uh, it's the only yeah. one I saw. Um, I loved it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think the casting is amazing. Uh, I think. Uh, pretty much, it's 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 uh, Clint Eastwood's character, and he's playing two sides of or both sides of a town. Okay, let me rephrase uh, this. So he's in a town. They usually have one boss in the town. It's like one family that runs all the all the illegal shit. In, yeah. In this town, there's two: one that runs the guns, one that runs the booze. So he plays each family against each other. So it's it's you know he's playing both families for money. Um. But it's a beautiful film. The, the musical cues are awesome. Um, I really liked it. So then, yeah, you know, I saw that. Yeah, I, I'm fairly certain. Well, I, I know I've seen the first two in the trilo- in that uh, the Man with No Name trilogy, and I loved both of them. Absolutely loved them. But for the life of me, I can't like distinguish which one was which. And whenever I think about Clint Eastwood in a in a western, I always think of Unforgiven because that one that movie's fucking brilliant. Yeah. But like I just I have such a hard time distinguishing between those three because I've not seen 
um, the last of the, which I think is the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Uh, the third one in the trilogy is the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and now yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I love the other. They're other all ones. filmed practically back to back. Like um, yeah. this one here is a sixty-four. Then I think a, a few more dollars is sixty-five, and then uh, okay. and then uh, oh, let me double check that for a few dollars more. Come on, tablet. Yeah, it's sixty-five, and then um, the good, bad, and the ugly. I believe is sixty-six. So they're all filmed pretty much back to back. Um, so me watching this all one weekend or more or less in the weekend, um, yeah. it, it, the story's kind of blur to me, you know, because it's mm-hmm. a lot of the same, I would say a lot of the same stuff, but it's the same scenes. I think they reuse the same town in a fistful of dollars for a few more dollars, which I'll discuss later on okay. in our background challenge. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think see, that's, I, I've not spent a ton of time with, with Westerns. It's kind of like, and I didn't mention this in my week of media, but I've been kind of like branching out my musical, uh, what I'm listening to mu- in, yeah. in, on the way to work and yeah. whatnot. And like, I've been listening to some hip hop and I, I'm really loving it. And I feel like this kind of it fits the same bill, like Westerns, what I've seen, I really like, but I haven't spent a ton of time with it. And I feel like that's something that would be such a fun arc, kind of an, uh, in a different arc than we've ever yeah. done is if we were to like dive into some, you know, maybe lesser talked about Westerns at some point. Be that would be f- lots of fun because as a kid, I hated Westerns. Like, okay. And I, I think I didn't like Clint Eastwood because of that. And I never oh, okay. understood the, um, the dirty Harry character as a kid. It just mm-hmm. never appealed to me. Uh, yeah. now I have a great appreciation for it. And like, I love the mm-hmm. whole trilogy. Um, and I want to see more, you know, like Eastwood did more spaghetti Westerns than just these three films. So I want to, yeah. I want to dive into the other ones. Um, I'll have to research mm-hmm. them because I don't own any of them. So I'll have to buy a few. Um, and like even Unforgiven, I only saw it maybe a year and a half, two years ago for the first time. And that's yeah, you know, I recent for me as well. Not that recent, but within the past six or seven yeah, years. Like ago, it's yeah. one from '92, and it's an Oscar winning film. And I completely shunned it just because it was a Western. Well, it, it's so brilliant because it's like it's like his Man with No Name trilogy character just later in life. Yeah. Like it's it's. It's so fucking good. I, I think my taste in Westerns kind of started up again when I started watching Westworld last year. Because I'm oh, like, okay. you know, this isn't so bad. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, uh, I'm reading right now the uh, Full Moon book that I bought a few months ago. And, uh, you know, they're talking about all their films in their libraries. And uh, a film Oblivion came up, which I own. I watched it once on Cinemax like decades ago. Oh. And it's it's like Cowboys and Aliens. Oh. That was the tagline because it's it's a Western on a planet with aliens. So <laughs> it's what Cowboys and Aliens wanted to be. Musetta Vanders in it. She plays uh, an evil uh, woman. Um, she's known. She was in, what's that, the Coen Brothers film? Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? She, oh, was okay. the, she was one of the sirens, sirens singing, yeah. going to sleep little baby. Um, so I know from that, she's in a few more like B movie films, but she's awesome in Oblivion. I think she's a henchwoman to the main bad guy who's like a lizard monster with like a red eye patch. Anyways, uh, I'll have to revisit that film because it's been a long time, but I remember really liking that. So yeah. It sounds amazing. I'm adding it to, uh, to my list. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, what? What full moon book are you reading? What's that called? Oh, it's downstairs. I, it's a book on oh, okay. the history of full moon pictures, starting from That's their awesome. deal with Paramount up until now. I'm only like 60, 70 pages in, but it's really good. 
So there's interviews with like, you know, uh, FX people and like actors and they talk about transers and mm. subspecies. So it's movies I rented as a kid. It's right up my alley. I'll, uh, That's yeah, awesome. I, forget, I forget what it's called. It came from Full Moon or something. I'll, uh, Okay. Yeah, I feel like you've ta- you've yeah, mentioned that yeah. before. Yeah, now you I say bought the title. It probably two three months ago. So I have to check my Instagram or or okay. uh, any of you who are really interested, check our uh, Instagram because uh, on Cinefessions because oh, I yeah. did post about it. Um. Yeah. Very so cool. okay. So I did. So I watched a fistful of dollars. I watched a few dollars more, which I'll talk out of sequence about it later on. And then one of my mm-hmm. movies that I should have watched already, films for twenty eighteen, is the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So I watched it. Um, again, it's a two hour and 50 minute film. So it's a bit of a marathon Man. because I did watch it in two, in two uh, sections just because I was uh, with a buddy, my buddy Will. Yeah. And then uh, I had tickets for a wrestling show. So uh, I didn't, uh, I couldn't finish it. So okay. I was only about an hour in and I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know what? This isn't that great. Like people love this movie. And I thought it was kind of slow and boring because I'm like, okay. we're already an hour in and it's just, it's, I'm not enjoying it. Not knowing there's still two hours left in the film. So I find once you get over that first hour hump, then it gets really good. Um, so like uh, a few dollars more, which I'll discuss later, uh, this has uh, Lee Van Cleef again uh, playing a different role. And you've got Clint Eastwood as the man with no name. They call him Blondie in this movie. And you've got Eli Wallace, who plays the ugly. His name is Tuchel. So mm. what happens is that they hear about this treasure that's buried in a cemetery. And Tuchel knows where the cemetery is. But Clint Eastwood's character knows which plot the gold is in. So after they, because <laughs> they were partners, Eastwood's character kind of fucked them over. Tuchel got his revenge. Hear about this plot. They both have different pizza pieces of information in the story. So then they kind of nurse each other back to hell so they can get the gold together. But then uh, mm-hmm. Van Cleef's uh, character, Angel Eyes, he's known about this gold all along and was looking for where it is. So 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 what happens is that uh, Angel Eyes is looking for uh, a Bill Parsons, I think his name was. It's a Confederate soldier. He has an eye patch. Anyways. Uh, Tuco and Blondie find him, but he's about to die. So Tuco gets part of the story, goes to fetch water. While he's gone to fetching water, he dies, but Clint Eastwood's there to get the other part of the story. That's why they have to work together because they won't, uh, you know, they each have a part of the story. So now Van Cleef's character, uh, he was looking for Bill Parsons, finds out that Tuco is playing Bill Parsons' role now, gets the, gets the information. And then teams up with Eastwood, who has the information that he needs. So then they go to, to, uh, for, uh, to get the treasure. But then Tuco is able to catch up with them, fuck them over. It's a big cat and mouse back and forth. You know, everybody fucks everybody over. <laughs> but it's so good. Like, awesome. the next, like, once you get the base of the characters out of the way, mm-hmm. it gets really good. The music is iconic. Like the end scene of the Mexican standoff between the three guys is just beautiful. You hear the ecstasy, the ecstasy of gold song play, which I know very well because I used to have XM radio. And that was a song that would start before every Opie and Anthony show. <laughs> so I, I knew okay, this okay. song. I knew it was in the movie. I just didn't know where it was in the movie. Um, yeah. So I, uh, so 
I ended up really liking the the the, uh, the film. I still think I like a fistful of dollars more. Okay. Um, and then we'll discuss the other film after. But yeah. uh, I still think like I, I think the way the film is made though, it's like you're supposed to cheer for Eastwood's character, mm-hmm. but he's a son of a bitch like everybody else in the film. Like everybody's got pretty much similar footing as good as evil. Like, you know, they're just opportunists, right? And it's a wild right, west. Right. So, you know, you, you do what you can for yourself. But I really love Tuco. I thought Tuco was the best character in the film. And I was cheering for him the whole time because he's a bit of a buffoon, but he's also very lucky. Mm-hmm. He looks dumb, but he's actually quite smart. You know, um, I just, I do recommend this film. If you can get over the first little bit, it gets really good. But make sure you have a lot of popcorn because it is three hours long. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm just to see what I gave that as a rating. And I, uh, I give it four out of five. So I would give this probably three out of four. Okay. Because it's still not my favorite of the series. So right. I'll take that off my thing. Um, I'll go a little quickly here. So I spent a bit of time with the shutter service this weekend. Oh, okay. Because again, I'm paying for it and I've barely touched it. Yeah. So I watched a movie uh, from 2016 called Prevenge. It's uh, oh, written, okay. yeah, written, directed, and stars Alan Lowe, or pardon me, Alice Lowe. Uh, I'm just checking here. Ah, it says it's a UK film. I thought maybe it was Australian because of the accent. I didn't. It didn't sound UK or British. Um, mm-hmm. But it's about this woman who lost her husband in an accident. Uh, she's pregnant, and she believes that the embryo inside her is making her kill people so she becomes a serial killer killing the people involved in her boyfriend slash husband's accident um it's interesting i like the premise um some of the kills are actually pretty fun um but the voice of the baby because the baby talks to her the voice was horrible. <laughs> it was it was not good i did not like that at all that's goofy but i thought it was a fun film it isn't mind-blowing but I thought it was still pretty cool. Yeah. So I would give, uh, let's see, what did I give that here? We'll go back on my app. Um, Prevenge, I gave, uh, yeah, I'd probably give two out of four stars. Okay. Ah, no, you know what? I give it two and a half stars, two and a half. Because okay. I gave it three out of five. So two and a half out of four. Um, so there's that. And then the one that uh, you commented on on Twitter here, um, Hell Baby from 2013. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. How did you hear about this movie? Because I knew nothing about this. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, from work when I was working at uh, family videos, video still. Okay. And so obviously I heard of virtually everything at that point because I was, you know, I had to fit, sell them and put them out sure. and make space for them on my wall, which was a pain in my ass. Yeah. So I think that's how I heard about it. And I ended up, uh, you know, rent borrowing it from work or whatever, okay. or I ended up watching it on Netflix. I don't remember, but well, uh, yeah. it's fucking fantastic. So it's, it's a yeah. horror comedy, but made by the guys who did like the slate. Uh, uh, no, probably Reno nine one one. So you've got I love oh, you've got Thomas Lennon in it. Uh, you've got uh, Rob Corddry, Leslie Bibb. Uh, uh, you know P and Kill. You've got uh, Keegan Michael Key who's in it. Uh, David Wayne's in it. Michael in Black. Paul Shear. Uh, Shear um, and uh, my favorites. Uh, where is that girl? Oh my god. Uh, okay, so. Um, so it's about, uh, again, uh, another pregnant woman. I'm watching a lot of pregnant women movies on Shudder. Um, so <laughs> a couple funny. moves into their dream house. It's known as like a, it's a hell house because somebody died in it. Uh, eventually she gets, 
she gets possessed by a demon and then shenanigans happen. Um, so it's a horror comedy, but it's not a spoof. Like in no way did this ever spoof horror movies, but it's fucking funny. Like, and it's dirty funny. Um, I, I laughed out loud so much. I actually bought the Blu-ray. So the Blu-ray is available on Amazon for, I think, eight ninety nine. On Amazon.com. Okay. On Amazon.ca, it's an import and it's 80 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Man. So, it's being shipped to my US PO box right now right. because I'm not paying $80 for it, but it was worth checking out. Um, I can't find her name, the name of oh, full cast. Is it the one? Like, I can't yes. even spend so long since I've seen it, but like, it's something with like baby oil or something? Yeah. Okay. Or? So, so the, uh, the, uh, Pregnant uh, character, Vanessa, played by Leslie Bibb, who's fantastic, has a sister uh, called Marjorie. And she's played by Ricky Lindholm. And she looked familiar to me uh, Mm -hmm. because she is in the remake of Last House on the Left. Oh, really? That's her? That's her. So that's how I remember. uh, I recognized her because she looked familiar to me. Uh, But even looking at, um, at her IMDb right now, She's done a shitload of stuff. So I'm sure I've seen her yeah. in more things. But she has a full... I'm not sure if she's wearing a Merkin or not. I, I haven't like zoomed in. But she has a full frontal scene with... Uh, well, she's in a shower and Rob Corddry walks into the bathroom not knowing she's there. And it's not a, a, a like, oh my God, I'm naked and I cover up. She's she's confer- comfortable with her skin and she talks about sexuality. She even points to his boner. She's naked for a good <laughs> three, four minutes. Full front. It's a beautiful thing. Like, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. And I clapped. Oh. I loved it. Thus, she <laughs> wanted this on Blu-ray. <laughs> right. She's in a few episodes of, uh, the big bang theory, which is how I, I recognize her most. Okay. Uh, and, and she's hilarious in that too. She's kind of, she's crazy in it, but she's funny. Oh, yeah. The, the, Everybody's funny in this movie. Uh, very few jokes fall flat. I can't think of any right now, but I was laughing the whole time. Like, I love this film. Um, so I bought it. Uh, so again, it's, it's called Hell Baby. Apparently it's on Amazon Pro, or it's on Prime Video, but I shot, I saw it on Shutter Canada and, uh, I gave it five stars out of five. So it's a four out of four for me. It gets full marks. Yeah. It awesome. was amazing. <laughs> um, then I also watched another film on Shutter called Sam Was Here. Um, I, I heard about this film. I saw the poster. Uh, I didn't realize what it was until I finished watching it. Um, but it, it's fucking weird. It's, it's like a David Lynch film. Think Twin Peaks in the desert with less enjoyable characters and no fucking answers to any questions you might have. <laughs> the film is so weird. It's about this guy who's a, he's a salesman, goes door to door. And he's in like the California desert. He can't reach his wife. It's his daughter's birthday. He's trying to head home. Car breaks down. Then people think he's a seal killer. And then they start hunting him. And it all revolves around this shock jock uh, talk show host. And uh, yeah, it's it's odd. It's really it. Hmm. I, there's really not much more to say. Like that. That's pretty much the gist of the story. But you have all these questions, and it doesn't answer anything. The end has no. I, I won't. I won't talk about the end. But you will. You will be left uh, puzzled and unfulfilled. I was very disappointed of its open endedness. Like it was too open. So it was like a ninety-minute short story. So think of think of reading this really thick novel, 
But then, yeah. it, but it reads like a short story where it's all pretty images and sounds, mm-hmm. and then it ends, and you're like, "Well, what's next?" Like, <laughs> and there's nothing, you know. Um, so because of that, I didn't like it very much. I can okay. appreciate it, but I didn't like it very much. So I'd give it two out of four stars hmm. for that one. And I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The last one I'll talk about. Um, I did go to the movies once, and I went to see okay. The Shape of Water. Because oh yeah, I think the Oscars are this weekend, and I felt I should see Del Toro's film before, um, you know, a, before the award show, you know, so I can mm-hmm. root for something. Oh, that's not true. I saw Get Out as well. Um, everybody's loving the shit out of this film, right? I liked it. I didn't okay. love it. Um, it's a beautiful fairy tale, um, but it's an adult fairy tale because there's full frontal nudity in it, which kind of shocked me. Was not expecting nudity, um, and it's kind of gross because this this, <laughs> okay. this girl falls in love with the creature from the blue lag- black lagoon, and she has sex with it. As yeah, not uh, it's the, <laughs> the creature from the blue yeah, lagoon. That would be uh, what's her name? Who's naked in blue? Shields, yeah. That's the one. That's yeah. not creepy. Um, but in a way, it is because she's like fourteen. That movie, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, right. Um, yeah, yeah, but she's not my first cousin, so that's okay, right? <laughs> right there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I thought this movie was it, beautifully done. Um, I really, I really, I liked it a lot, but it's not my favorite film of the year. It's it kind of creeped me out a bit. Um, Michael Shannon was interesting. Um, I like Richard Jenkins and everything he does. Um, it was just weird for me, so I would give that probably two and a half out of four stars as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I watched, well, I watched a few more things, which I'll be uh, posting on Instagram um, in the next few days here. But uh, that's pretty yeah. much it for me, movie wise. Uh, I know I've talked, okay. I'm talking a lot here. Um, t- no, you're fine. TV wise, I finished uh, season two of The Grand Tour on uh, Prime Video. Uh, okay. Liked it. Didn't love the season, I think, because one of the hosts uh, crashed a car and broke his leg. So I think that kind of changed the oh, direction wow. this year of the series. Um, I thought season one was a lot more epic. Season two, not so much. Uh, I might have to try that with my newfound appreciation for all things racing. Oh, I might have to uh, you would l- give that a shot. You would love it. Start Well, obviously, start with season one. Not that there's an arc yeah. or anything, but it's it's a funny car show. And what and I, you guys you say it all the time, but remind me of the title again because uh, I'm writing it down this time. It's a grand tour. Grand tour. Yeah, Thank it's you. the guys okay. who do Top Gear in the UK. Yeah. Um. So if you like that show, you'll like this one. It, it's really good. But again, season one, more epic. They they made some good changes for season two, but I still thought season one was a better, a better epic show. Okay. Um. So I finished that. Um. I finished season ones of Peaky Blinders, which I liked a lot. Good. And I also finished season one of Life in Pieces. Currently working on season two. And that's that's about it. I talked about books. I didn't do too much gaming since our last podcast, but I'm still playing Darkest Dungeon, which I'm really loving. And okay. I'm getting a bit of an addiction of buying uh, games on the Switch through their e-store. Oh, really? They have so much, so many things. And I'm like, fuck, I can't buy anymore because I'm not playing any of them. You know, right. like, I do one game at a time. Um, oh, I did pre-order the Kirby Allies game, the new Kirby game coming out next month or this oh, okay. month, I guess. Comes out on the sixteenth. Yeah, there's a demo that just came out, I believe, today for it. Oh, really? Yeah. I so I'm get- like, I'm gonna download the demo, and then yeah. if I really like it, I'll keep the pre-order. If I don't, I'll cancel it. 
But uh, yeah, I guess that's all for me media wise, minus the stuff we watched for the podcast today. So yeah, so yeah, so uh, it was pretty epic. Uh, the last few days have been a little slow because of work, but uh, mm-hmm. I got a lot of movies under my belt during my days off. Awesome, very good, good, good shit, good shit. Yeah. All right, so let's move over to our review for the week. So we are talking, of course, about The Monitor from 2011. So as always, there will be spoilers for The Monitor, which is also known as Baby Call. Baby Call. So uh, if you have not seen that film and care about spoilers, definitely uh, pause the podcast, go watch it, which it is available on Vudu, free with ads, which is how I watched it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can watch it that way if you haven't, and then come on back and hit play. So there will be spoilers. All right. So the monitor has an original Norwegian theatrical release date of October 7th, 2011. It was written and directed by Paul Slaton, who also directed Next Door, which was our first film of this arc. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's very noticeable as we all, I'm sure, discuss. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has an IMDb score of 5.7 out of the 4,843 current votes. It has a no Metacritic score, but a tomato meter score of 73% mm. and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 36%. It currently has 2.91 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd based on 453 ratings. It had a $4.05 million budget and an unknown gross. And it clocks in at 96 minutes. All right. So, Mark, what's your history with The Monitor? Uh, first time I heard about the film was as we researched for films for this arc. So, uh, okay. it was first time watch when uh, I bought it blind, obviously, and uh, mm-hmm. watched it for the first time for this episode. Excellent. Yeah. And this was the uh, exact same thing. I only heard about it uh, thanks to doing research on Scandinavian horror films. And it had, uh, how do you, I don't know how you say your name, Nomi? Nomi, how are we saying it tonight? Nomi, Nomi Rapaz. Okay. Well, that's how Mark's going to say it. I'm going to say her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Mark is better at speaking than I am because he's, because he can speak French. So. I talk pretty good. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 have, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Now we called this arc the Scandinavian horror arc. Yeah. We should just call this the Norwegian arc because I think all the films <laughs> are Norwegian, right? Um well Is there one that wasn't? Some of them are mixed. Like this one is mixed. Like it is um Norwegian and Swedish. Um uh, okay. I, I think some of the other ones ended up being that way. And I think some of the ones that we were picking in the poll were like Swedish or what's the other country that makes up scandinavia uh, uh, Finland uh, and norway, and, uh, norway yeah and iceland may fit in there but yeah so i think that might have been it also yeah. but yeah it ended up it, it just seems like as for imdb all the grosses all the release dates it's all the exactly. norwegian release date norwegian. you know so yeah, yeah. They, they're they're good with their horror they really they really are i know it yeah all right so yeah yeah and like i said i watch you watch this on dvd i believe you said right I did, yes. Yeah, I watched this on, um, like I said, Voodoo, free with ads, which was a pain in the ass because you can't watch like the free movies on Voodoo on the console. You have to watch it on the computer or your phone, which I'm not watching on my phone, obviously. Yeah. And then I tried hooking up my uh, the computer, like the the Chromebook that I got for my wife for Christmas, tried hooking that up, but it wouldn't play because it didn't have Flash. And so then I tried using my computer. And of course, I didn't have Flash. So I had to update it. Wouldn't work on Chrome. Wouldn't work on Opera. I had to use Microsoft Edge to finally get the fucking thing to work. But I, I paid $0, damn it. So What is Microsoft Edge? I've never heard of that before. 
It's it's uh, Internet Explorer, except the newest version of it's it. It's a cool one that the kids use. It's the edge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Microsoft Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're so right. But yeah. yeah this ain't your daddy's internet browser. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's still shit, whatever it is. <laughs> okay. So this... Okay, I'm going to tell you what I thought I saw when this movie started. I, I wrote down that is quite a way to open a film with yeah. a dead kid. Wow. Like I thought, which obviously it's not a dead. We're not seeing a dead kid. We're seeing her. Anna. Yes, we're seeing her. Yeah, exactly. We're seeing uh, Numi Rapace. Yeah, we're seeing yeah. Yeah, Anna, yeah. quote unquote, dead, dead, basically, and in, in the on the ground. I thought it was a kid. I don't know if I was like typing or what was going well, on, but I looked up and I thought I saw a dead well, kid. Well, they're calling the, uh, her kid's name, Anders. Right. He's like, where's Anders? What happened yeah. to Anders? Yeah. Oh, so did you watch this with subtitles or did you watch the- yes. Okay. Uh, thank God for that at least. Thank yeah. God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would have, I would have paid if I, if it wasn't yeah. subtitled because I- no, uh, but, A yeah. few so, things really but, quickly is that- Anders, Yeah. So absolutely. I don't know if you recognize, but Anders- is the same kid that was in Cold Play, uh, Cold Prey Two, in the hospital playing the video game? Oh my God, was he? he it was the same guy, the same kid. Ah, it and was. And Helge, uh, Christopher Johner, he's our guy from Next Door. Wait, he's the main character, right? Y- yeah, he's from the guy Next who. Door? Yes, the, he's the same. He's the main character from Next Door. Okay, so I thought it's kind of cool. Like we're watching, you know, we're only reviewing like five, six films in the arc, but all the yeah. same people kind of show up in different, uh, you know, in different films. So that, yeah, that's amazing because we, I feel like he, we, he, it's similar. It's a similar character in some aspects, but in other ways, it's so different. And I think he plays it so differently, and he does such a fantastic fucking job in both ways. Like he's just a very versatile actor, is what I've yeah. learned quickly. I'll agree with you that he, it's a similar character. Mm-hmm. It's a similar character on the surface, like yeah. how he plays on the surface. Yeah. But this guy isn't a sadistic guy. Like he's right. actually a nice guy. He's genuine. Yeah, I really, really like him. So I really like Haga too. So what's on his surface is actually what's in his core. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so it's the same as his next door character, but the complete opposite mm-hmm. at the same right. Time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I totally didn't even get that that was Anders. And I'm going to be honest, I recognized Helga while we were watching it, but I didn't think it was the same guy from next door. That's how different it felt to me, okay. I guess, uh, or how, how well he was. I guess the look, he just looked different. And so well, he looked, well. well, he looked older. It's like a, you know, half a decade, but yeah. just, he looked, he looked more tired, you exactly. know, like a different yeah. kind of tired in this one. Like, you know, he's kind of burnt out over the burden of his mom compared to right. him having killed his girlfriend you know so yeah anyways but yeah so that was very cool um and mm-hmm. i loved daniel and cold prey too even though you <laughs> um and i thought i know I, so I, I enjoyed that he was he was here i didn't i didn't even realize it was him but i i love that it was um but so um yes right from the get-go though you know just the quiet and the image, uh, and it just, it's so immediately felt different than what we've been watching mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. So, you know, we started off with next door, which was very much in this, in this vein. And then we yeah. kind of went, you know, in cold prey slasher, yeah, cold prey to slasher dead snow comedy horror, you know, just completely different. And so we were back yeah. to 
um, Slatan's way of doing Norwegian horror. Yeah. Um, and I love that about it. It's like about the neighbor that you don't see, you know, again, it's, right. it's, it's more of, you know, personal life than, mm-hmm. you know, mass murder. You know, it's, 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 it's very, exactly. like, again, like this film, like in next door, um, it's very mm-hmm. apartment based is like your yeah. own little world. It's, it's, intro- it's a, like an introverted horror film compared right. to, you know what I mean? Yep, exactly right. Yeah, very yeah, good way yeah. of, of putting it. Just very introverted versus Dead Snow, which is about as extroverted as you can get. <laughs> and frankly, Cold Prey 1 and 2 also. But Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was... I, I, so everything that was happening in this was just fascinating to me. So right from the beginning, like she walks, they walk into this apartment. It was clearly new to them. Yeah. And like the first thing she does is closes all the blinds when they got there. And I thought that was just very interesting. What a cool, quick way to like establish that something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a very uh, overbearing mother. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I had to watch the movie twice. Okay. Because without jumping to the end, yeah. I see the end. Then I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So the second time I'm watching this film, I'm trying to see what the fuck. Oh, okay. If you understand what I mean without, you know, spoiling the whole film right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, so I have questions. So we'll, we'll go we'll go through the film. I'll try yeah. not to jump too far in advance, but I got fucking questions. So yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay, that is, that's great. Yeah, that's what I was hoping I should be here tonight because, right. He might have a different perspective exactly. on things yeah. because I, I I I finished the film and I'm puzzled. Yeah. Okay. So very good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so good. so let's okay let's continue. Okay. Yeah. So they're in the house. She closes the blinds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and what's creepy about that is that you know he's got his own room, but she right. wants him to sleep with him yeah. or sleep with her. Yep. Very she's strange. Eight. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I wrote down like, this is, this is confusing, but I'm intrigued as hell. And that's yeah. when I was, and then I wrote down like, my first guess is that the father heard him, which then that's, that was actually verified just a couple seconds after I wrote that because you see the documents and it talks about, I forget exactly what the documents are, but it talks about his father hurting him or trying to hurt him. Um, or tried to, she tried to drown or he tried to drown him. Yes. I guess. And so my thought was like, this must be the equivalent of like the witness protection program, which, it is. That's exactly what it is, basically. Yeah. It's, because they're trying to hide from him. So Yeah, exactly. So, like, they're both victims of domestic abuse. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess you know, they placed her in this in this apartment. Right. So that he can find them. Yeah. And I love – so, and then they go to the school. And that – it's just – it's kind of – it's almost creepy the way she, like, refuses to leave. Um and has to literally be chased out of the schoolyard area. So that's where my first question starts. Mm-hmm. Are are we seeing uh, are we seeing two timelines at the same time? Like are are we are we seeing past and and, and present? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I what what I think we're seeing. Yeah, is. Uh, for lack of a better word, like hallucinations. Like this is not what's really happening. Like she's not so having these interactions that she's thinking she's having. So do you think she's really at the school at that point? And there's- I mean, she, ah, good question. She could be, yeah. but she's not like, okay. Cause like, obviously they have these conversations with these teachers. Those aren't happening because 
Anders is uh, so like I feel like the only way to talk about this is by jumping to the end and then kind of working backwards, maybe. Okay, let's do that. Then, then let's. Because we do know that. we're talking. We, everyone who's listening to this at this podcast at this point has watched this film, so obviously we know that Anders is dead. Yeah. And so, you know, I only watched the film once. Um, but if you were to watch the movie again, knowing that Anders is dead, yeah, it's like how does this work? And I think the only way it works is it sim- simply that this is a hallucination that this isn't this isn't really happening and i think they point to that because she says uh, like a couple times that um you know she's like i i don't know what i i don't know where i was today i blacked out and and so on and so forth and talks about do you see things that aren't really there like the water and then it turns into a parking lot you know again another mind fuck uh, but so exactly. so what i'm thinking is that either a, she did like she did take him to that school because she has interactions with teachers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, but at the same time, you know, there's that scene with Helgi where he's like, "I've seen in this restaurant before." Yeah, but she's no, it's the first time there. So was mm-hmm. she hallucinating? Maybe that she's at the school, but she's really in the restaurant, and they oust her because she's just loitering. Yeah, I mean that would make sense I, to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Or is she, or was she, uh, or did Anders actually go to that school and she's just reliving, or or there's two timelines. There's a timeline where, you know, he went to school, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the timeline where, you know, she she goes to the school and then gets like shoot away because she has nothing to do. With I, I, I don't know. I, I'm so confused with this film. I'll be honest. Uh I was trying to trying to look for like a sixth sense style gimmick going on, and I, I didn't find mm-hmm. one. So I, I just don't know if we're seeing two time periods or if we're just seeing her hallucinating during the whole film. There is no answer to that. And I think, and I think that's it. Like I think if you if you put too much thought into it, yeah. it just becomes confusing. And I don't think that's what it. Uh, I don't know. I don't, what do you, I don't what, know if that's what it's about. You know, that's. It's like, uh, what am I trying to? You don't think that was you don't you don't think that was the intention of the director to uh, to confuse us so much? Maybe I well, I don't think the. I, I guess I don't know how to answer that. Let me say though, I think it. If you think about it too much, it just becomes confusing. Yeah. But if if you're in this mindset, so living through the film the first time through. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of you're, you're you're placed in the same mindset as, as as Anna because you don't really know what's going on, just as she doesn't know what's going on. And I think that's what makes it so intriguing throughout. Okay. Um, and then, um, because we're in her world, we're kind of we're, we're okay. I'm just like talking in circles, but we're placed in her mindset, and what she's going through is just this complete complete mind fuck. And I feel like the director's intention which we can't speak for a director's intention obviously but what i feel is is simply to have us spend 90 minutes in that mindset and then it ends kind of like her like she's that's what she's doing she's spending these days in this just fucked up uh nothingness Mm -hmm. of hallucinations and blackouts and you know she just she's completely lost and then it's over. You know, she 
she is done. It's dead. But is she is she dead at the end? That's the thing. Like that's another thing. I, I think. Oh well, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Dead. But like, what confused me as well is the also the parallel mm-hmm. storyline with Helgi and his mom. If we're in her head, then why are we seeing that? You know, him lo- taking his mother off because she's very sick, taking her mother off the respirator, his mother off the respirator, and then her passing. Mm-hmm. So is it to mimic that, you know, Helgi is feeling the same grief as she is, him losing his mom that was, who was so overbearing on him. And then mm-hmm. on the flip side, seeing the opposite, let's say it was the mom who had to, you know, flick the switch on, on the kid. So in this case, Numi would be playing the mom role and Anders would be playing the Helge role. I, 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 I don't know. I honestly don't know how even to formulate my questions, to be honest with you. Uh, no, I know. It's incredibly difficult to, you know, put the right words together. Like, I've been thinking about this for days and I'm still at a loss on, I honestly did not know how this podcast was going to work tonight for the film discussion mm-hmm. just because I'm so confused. Okay. And my, my question is, and I, and it's yeah. not to like discount that by any stretch, but yeah, does it matter? Can you no. still in uh, enjoy or appreciate the the film as you're watching it? You know, at least for the first time. What am I? Uh, what am I trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah. does that make sense? Like, no, I understand. Yeah. Like, I appreciate the film, mm-hmm. but I think it, it lost some points with me for its ending because then I'm like a big question mark appeared above my head, mm-hmm. and then I'm like. And, and that's it, you know? yeah. Uh, so it, in a way, it kind of felt like a short story, <laughs> you know. Where I'm like, I, I, the, the film ends, and it's an animated movie, and uh, I'm left with these. With, within the last like thirty seconds of the film, all these new questions pop up, you know. So in, instead of like putting the story to bed, it creates a whole new tangent. Um, so, so I think with the whole mom storyline, it just shows that Helge is a supremely decent and nice person that was, mm-hmm. that was, who had a mom who is like Anna, how she is to Anders, how she was to Helge growing up. And that this is how he turned out. And maybe if Anders would have, uh, still be alive and he would have grown up, he'd be a man like Helge. Yeah, at points, like I was th- thinking that Helge was Anders grown up. Y- yeah, I, I I could see that parallel because I think yeah. he would have been if he were still alive. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm trying to figure. I guess I'm I'm not articulate enough to 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 figure the words for it, but I'm trying to figure out why I wasn't terribly confused and it's not and i feel like it's not that you were confused you understand what's happened but you're all these questions come up and i'm trying to figure out why i didn't have those questions you know what i mean okay okay so so i got a question for you then um yes so she is visited by two social workers dealing with her case that's a figment of her imagination yes because then we yeah. realize that it's the, the fucking janitor it's, it's the janitor but then was there a female with the janitor ever because it, I don't think so. Isn't the doctor that deals with her scrapes after she dives in the parking lot mm-hmm. lake? Is that the same <laughs> actress who was the female, the female uh, like, uh, caseworker? They look very. Oh, I didn't. Uh, 
I didn't think so, and I didn't catch that. Uh, I don't see like a split character listing on IMDb, which doesn't mean anything really. Yeah. But you know, sometimes they'll list them. Yeah, this slash that. Well, maybe not. Uh, I, so I can't say for sure. Yeah, I think maybe the the child, the, the uh, caseworker was Gretty, and then we've got the doctor. Gretty, yeah. so maybe they looked very similar to me. Yeah. So I thought that maybe it was her figment of taking the doctor to go like in her mind to become the CFS worker. Right. I don't know. Um, so you got that. That was really weird. And okay. So if it's on her head. Yeah. How do you explain the kid in the red jacket and that Helge actually spoke with him? So, okay. Yeah. Great. That's, great question. That's something else. Yeah. That is the aspect that's really happening. That's what's going on. That's the reality of the situation in my head. That's how I interpreted it. So okay. what she's hearing on the baby monitor is legitimate. She's hearing this happened. Somebody is killing their family, their, their kid, bada, bada, yada, yada, yada. Um, the kid in the red coat or whatever, in my mind, he was dead. He's dead. And that Boy. Helga is speaking just to his ghost because the doorbell rings. He opens the door and the guy's behind the kids behind him. So he didn't walk by him like that's impossible. Yeah. And so this has to be a ghost in my in my head. And I can I can see that because he's always it, it seems that his coat is always wet. It, he never looks dry. Yeah. Right, and I notice it with his hair too. Yeah. Right. But how can Helge talk to him? Is it because he's in such distress because his mom passed that he's able he's very sensitive to spirits? Maybe. I yeah. I, and 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 why why did that kid pretend he was Anders and he didn't never said I am not Anders. Mm-hmm. Was that, and then the whole transference. So if he's dead, why is when Anders and when Anders meets him at the school? Was Anders still alive, or is that all bullshit too? Uh, no, this is I, why I watched it a second time to see if I missed anything, and I, I, I don't think I did. Yeah. You know? So, okay, well that that brings up interesting points that I guess I don't have. An answer for um, is okay. the creepy kid, but he was creepy as fuck, and he creeped the shit out of me. That's for sure. So he was effective. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, and but, another thing: if, if he's dead, how did Helge take a picture of him? He couldn't. He didn't. He said, "Why won't you let me take a picture he or whatever?" Or he tried, didn't he though? I th- he tried to take the picture, but it wouldn't. It wasn't at the time when he said it wouldn't work. Yeah, in the restaurant. I don't think he ever snaps that picture. No, okay, because he's seen in the viewfinder, so I assumed he took some pictures. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I think you're right. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah, but for didn't. some reason, I don't think he actually snapped that photo because something was going on. I know the guy was talking about it to him. He kept saying, he's like, take the picture. He's like, go ahead, try it, try it. And I don't think he did. Ah, okay. But he still saw him. Right, yeah. Yeah. But I think, and I think, again, it has to... I mean, uh, you know, I, it, it's just, obviously it's a super, to me, it was a supernatural element to the film Yeah, and it just, it, it was what it was. Like he was seeing this ghost and I feel like it's because he was so connected to him uh-huh. because like, like, like the dead kid says, like, you know, your mom or Anders mom was the same as my mom, who, which was the same as Helga, Elga's mom. And so yeah. I just feel like there's that connection on, you know, obviously a spiritual level. Kindred spirits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Question for you then. Yeah. Who drew the picture of the apartment building? I I assume she did. She sucks at drawing. 
She well, yeah, she does. <laughs> She's a horrible That's, juror. Yeah, no doubt about that. But yeah, that was my thought. Was that where did the blood come from? That's, that's going to be my next question. I, I just thought of it. I have no idea where the blood came from. Like I thought she had like a bloody nose or something. Or maybe, but she, maybe she cut herself in the scissors or on the knife. But I, I don't recall her actually like wrapping anything up. So yeah. I have no idea where that blood came from. But I, I do have a theory on what she heard on the baby call. Yeah. Is that I think what she was hearing was not um, the other kid's parents like killing him. It was, I yeah. think she heard her own uh, that, violence happening to, to her. That's what I thought initially. Mm-hmm. And I thought it kept going, but she never acknowledged it. And I feel like if if well, it was like she would somehow know that this was what she heard. I think she's in denial. When Anders was being hurt by the father, at least that's what she claims. You because know? the other kid got killed and both parents were charged. So in a way, like, yeah. So again, you saw him getting killed, right? Because the mom was being restrained and then she dove into the water, trying to find him. And then she took a dive on, right. in, the, in the parking lot. Um, but I really do think that the sound she heard were, were her own sounds. I mean, that yeah, that could be. Pressed and because, like, oh, what is this? What is this? You know? Yeah. I mean, I thought that too, but I just, I feel like there was something different when that when uh, what am I trying to say? When that storyline was happening, yeah, the it, the film felt a little different. Like uh, when Anders was running away, and um, she finds him in the parking garage, and that's the first time we see them carrying the body out. Like that, just it felt different. It felt more ran- um, like planted than parts of than most of the rest of the film. Sure, because there was that moment. There was the moment when she's yelling for Helga to come back, and that truck pulls up, and he looks up at her, and he's they're like, "What's going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, another moment that felt more planted, and then when she sees somebody burying in the woods, yeah. she sees uh, like the kid being buried, which brings me another question: How did Helga know where to ba- dig up the kid? Because he wasn't there when she saw that happening. No, and, and and what I don't get either is that so the kid drowned in the lake and was buried by the lake. Right. But she goes through those woods again, and the lake is a parking lot. It's a parking lot. So is, is she blocking? Yeah. Like is she blocking the the lake out because of PTSD? And like, and if there's no lake there, then that kid can't die. Hmm. I don't know. What would be awesome is if a listener who's listening to this podcast uh, has answers for us um, to call our hotline and leave us a voice. Absolutely. And even and, and if you have a lot to say, I'd be happy to pop you onto the podcast and we can talk about it because I'm exactly. still confused by timelines and what I'm seeing, what I'm not. Seeing. I need things in black and white. And this film is so great. And it's interesting because, like, I wasn't terribly confused by the end of it, but you know, now you're bringing up questions that I hadn't considered previously. That it doesn't make sense, and <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm not sh- right, yeah, and I'm not sure that they need to make sense. Yeah, you know, it just it feels like one of those types of films, you know. But man, I would love to have 
the director on, you know, oh, to do an interview God. like that to talk about this. God, that'd be amazing. I would be so tongue twisted. I'd be so like, oh, right. oh thank you for joining us on this on podcast. As, as inarticulate as we are tonight, oh. we would be ten times more. My, my tongue right now feels like a pretzel. I'm oh, I'm so twisted in my words. But uh, exactly. Yeah. No, and, but this is honestly how my brain feels like after watching the film. I, I it's it, my yeah. my frontal lobe, my medulla oblongata is in a right. spinning right now. Um, I, I just don't know what to make of the film. I, I like the film, right. but because of its, of its, uh, I, I don't even know how to, how to, how to say it, but just because of how it mm-hmm. is, um, I, I can't give it like great marks. Like I did the other films. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just so up in the air for me. Mm. Yeah. Kind of. So I just want to like touch on, you know, some of the aspects, uh, going, f- going f- through it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so once, I, um, and another, uh, uh, whatever we'll, we'll talk about it. So she obviously, you know, drops the kid off at school or whatever, where we left off. And I, re- I just think aesthetically, that's such a beautiful shot of her kind of in that, um, schoolyard mm-hmm. with all like the hundreds and hundreds of windows, just a very interesting shot, you know, just being looked down on by everybody and everything. I thought that was a very cool shot, uh, whether it was real or not. That it doesn't matter because the shot's real. It's in the film, you know, yeah. and I think that was great. Um, and so then she goes and and she, you know, see sees Helga at the the store after she, you know, almost freaks out yeah. on the bus. Um, anyway, she sees Helga at the store. She gets the baby monitor and then she brings it home. And I was just like, there was something about this that it felt like it was about to get super fucking creepy multiple times and it just like it was making me anxious like it was just a really good build-up well and it did get creepy for me at points especially with with the kid with the the creepy friend i'll be honest when i bought the film and when i read about it i expected a completely Mm -hmm. different movie i thought me too like i thought we were i thought this was gonna be like a full-blown supernatural horror based on the baby monitor type of thing yeah and uh they they use the gimmick, but they don't use it. I think you know, maybe three times, four times at the most. Yeah, three four times. Yeah. So it was, and it's it's like, uh, it's and it brings in like rear window aspects. You know, yeah. the film rear window. Yeah, like it feels like I wrote. I think I wrote it down somewhere, but it feels like a mix of like rear window and well, it, it's I a bit can't think of it, like voyeuristic. You know, you're yeah. listening to other people's mm-hmm. problems. Um, so so I do get that the whole eavesdropping in a way. And then trying to right. figure out where, because then, you know, she's hearing the screaming and wants to know or figure out from what apartment it comes from and in the way she does. And and that's the other thing. That's the other thing why I think that it just feels more real to me because it pops up out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, you, that, you know, it's introduced and then it disappears. And then like we're watching this other movie, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just like blindsides you. So it's almost like the reality is smacking Anna in the face when the when the baby monitor goes off because it, something completely different is going on. We're watching a different film. We're watching, you know, who's this kid that's, you know, lock, closing the door, holding her, like rubbing her hand as he closes the door. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, what's going on? And then he gets mad, runs away, like, and then boom, here's the baby monitor again. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? It's like out of left field. And it just feels like that's reality smacking Anna back in the face. And kind of bringing her back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. It's so interesting. It could be completely wrong. Well, 
And that's fine, but that's what it felt like. That's why I'm thinking we're seeing two different timelines, maybe. Mm-hmm. One where Anders is alive and staying in the apartment. And another where she's by herself. Because, you know, you have those moments of like of the snapback. So I'm thinking I'm seeing two timelines at the same time. And that's why I'm so confused. So, okay. So explain kind of expand upon this two timeline theory a little bit, because I'm not sure what the two different timelines would represent in, or what times those would represent, I guess. Well, I guess it, it like, again, what I believe is that we're, we're seeing her with Anders. So she did take Anders to school and, uh, you know, she did have him sleep in her bed because she's so overprotective because of the domestic abuse and the child abuse that they got. And then he passes away. Because, you know, at one point, he puts a picture of his dad on his wall. Right. And that the dad was at the school. Yeah. So something tells me is that he is mad at Anna for taking his son away, but then kills the son. Oh, so you think that the father is really the one who is causing the violence? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, The father caused the violence. And, but we never do see it though. You know, we only hear it, but he, he killed the son. And now we're seeing the, the trauma of Anna trying to put her life back together and revisiting the same spots to, to remember her son. That's why she, she's like, she seems so clueless and out of it is because mm-hmm. she's kind of in the day. She doesn't know exactly what she's doing until the point where at the end, she's like, I'm going to be with you forever, son. And then she kills herself, you know, or at least she attempts to kill herself. I don't know if she actually dies at the end, but you know, then the last shot at the end of the film is a shot you see at the beginning. That's why it's, it's all like a big loop. So that's why I believe there are two variations. Like, so Helgi is never in the same scenes of her and her son because he hasn't met her yet. It's only after the fact, after she's lost him and she feels all alone, she buys a baby monitor um and hears and i think she hears her past trauma because again helge never meets anders he meets the other kid who's also recently deceased i know i know it's weird but right. that's 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 my initial gist of it is that we're seeing two timelines at the same time past with the kid uh, past with the kid uh pre death and then current time with her by herself. Was there a commentary track on your DVD? No, there wasn't. Ugh, damn. There was, a, there was an alternate ending that I didn't get a chance to watch, and that's it. There were no other special features. Hmm. Okay, so my... I, I, okay, I feel like she has more to do with the violence than the, than the dad, maybe. Okay. And I feel like... Th- the reason, I guess, the reason I feel the way is because they, I felt like they hinted at that with um, Helga and the dead boy because they mentioned that like, the dead kid says that she's the same way with him as your mom was with you. Yeah, and it feels more than just like being overprotective because, like, that's when he freaks out. He's like, "What do you know about me? What does Anders know about me?" And like he starts freaking out. That's when he, that's when Helga leaves. Like he gets like freaked. And it's, and so it just, it feels like it's something more than just being an overprotective mother. I, I don't know about that. And that's what the bruises have to do. I, I don't know about that just because if he, if he was abused, but if Helga was abused by his mom when he was a kid, mm-hmm. I 
don't think he would have been so connected to her at her time of death, you know, or or or, or oh, in that I case, don't... in that case, or or maybe maybe the opposite that her actually being away lifted so much weight off his shoulders, right? Because yeah, she could no longer control him. Exactly. That's a possibility too. Yeah, and who knows who's right? I mean, we'll never know. You know, there's probably something. Yeah. It's probably option Z. You know, anyway. But yeah. um, it's interesting to talk about. And oh, you shit! Something you said or something was just making me think of another thing that I was questioning. But yeah, I think the the CPS people were were so weird. Obviously, to me, my take is that they just weren't there, and that's probably that might be oversimplifying. Okay, is that they just were were figments of her imagination? Because oh, if there were two two, two okay, so if there were two t- timelines, yeah. If there are two timelines, then the CFS people or the child services people did yeah. take Anders away. Anders went back to the dad. Dad kills Anders. So this time in her mind, when CFS comes and it's only the janitor, she kills the CFS so that uh, Anders stays with her. Because last time, Anders got killed by her dad, by his dad. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility I just thought of. And that's why she's so violent with the quote-unquote janitor is because uh, yeah. last time this happened, uh, dad took possession and then dad killed son. Again, mm. I'm taking leaps here. It's maybe I could be completely incorrect, yeah. you know, but no, I know. But it, it, yeah. if you're doing the two timelines thing, that's why she went almost, she went murderous rage to protect her son because last time, you know, the son didn't come back. Right. So that's why soon after, you know, she hugs the son. We're going to be together for forever mm-hmm. and then jumps with him, but he's already gone. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking she had like a, she had a, a, a bad PTSD flashback. Man, it's so interesting. Like, and I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what the intention was. Like, I want to, I wish we had a commentary track of some sort that we could listen to that explained it more, you know? It's not as clear cut as you first thought, eh? <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there are so many, so many questions that could be asked if you care to ask them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we should make a list of questions and then see if if just Mr. email it to him. Yeah, he's on Twitter even, and we'll send him a right, DM exactly. because you know, you go dang, yeah, um, yeah. But you know, real or not, the CPS guy was a creepy motherfucker, an asshole, totally. And um, you know, if he was, if what he did was real, he was you know hitting on her and you know breaking into her house and all that shit like it's disgusting what a piece of shit well, well, it's disgusting yeah. it's like taking your position of power exactly and these, and these are vulnerable women yeah and then forcing yourself upon them it's yeah. gross mm-hmm. like i like numi rapaz uh, i think oh, yeah. she's a beautiful woman she's great in a lot of this movie here she, she's not a tr- oh she had a i i thought her wig was pretty bad that was not her natural hair yeah but, but she's not an attractive person she's a person in recovery no, she's not a mm-hmm. sexy bombshell. You know what I mean. So to have right. somebody, you know, kind of force sexual favors on people that are vulnerable mm-hmm. like that, it's pretty fucking gross. So the janitor yeah. deserved, well, deserved. What he got to him was movie revenge or movie justice, right? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it's pretty, it's pretty sick. So, but I, I don't think it was the jan. I don't think the janitor was the one hitting on her, though. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if because the, he just came over to fix something or something like that. They said, yeah, but you know, he had, first of all, he's got keys to all the apartments and he, but how does that, and he's being role, I'm sorry, he's being role played by the, a C, by the CFS worker 
in the other timeline in the past, maybe. So she's putting the CFS the CFS guy's like image on this janitor. So we I don't think we know what the janitor actually looks like because she believes it's a CFS guy. So we think it's a CFS guy. It's only after the fact that we know it's a, it's a janitor. So I don't think we actually saw the janitor. We just saw right, her. It was a different act. Exactly. Yeah. So I think she was like projecting the CFS guy's image mm-hmm. on this janitor guy. And that's right. why she would let him in the place because if he says boo or no, then there goes Anders. So that's why right. she's being very compliant because why would you be compliant to the uh, to the apartment, uh, you know, su- uh, you know, exit guy. You know what I mean. And that's why I just I feel like it's more just she is f- absolutely insane. Oh, and like I just feel like the janitor was just coming over to f- you know fix something in the apartment, and he was the victim of her going absolutely batshit nuts and just get stabbed. That's a possibility too. But, but I don't no, know. But yeah, she is a damaged character. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't get over like the, the, the friend, man, when he came over, like the son doesn't even ask that he's going to come over. She just, he just tells the mom he's coming over. Um, and then like the kid never responds to her. And then the door, like he stands up and closes the door, but rubs her hand first. Like, I don't, there was just so much weird genuinely creeped me out like i didn't understand what was happening that kid only spoke to helge yeah exactly did not mutter a word to anna at all in the film so only spoke to him again Mm -hmm. maybe because he saw himself in helge yeah because he could have you know helge or he could have been a grown-up helge right and there has to be it's not a coincidence no and i nearly lost my shit when he said it but helge Comes for dinner and says, you know, I grew up here in this building. Like, did he say that? That's yes. Yes. Oh, that's I, the building he grew up. In. Like, that's not a coincidence. I and completely that, missed that. Was such a mind fuck to me. I'm like, okay, what is happening? Like, there that's why I was thinking maybe like the creepy friend was Helge as a child. Like, I was I, I didn't understand what was going on. But yeah, Helge said, Yeah, I I grew up here. Like, didn't I tell you that or something? So yeah, that fucked with my head so much that that could make sense too that uh, maybe you know every place to stay an imprint of it is imbued into yourself so maybe the ghost could see that he's you know one of them but the one that got away right you know he's the one that was able to actually live his life or actually maybe not live his life until his mom dies but at least get a chance to grow old Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's so many fucking questions i know and I think the other interesting part is like the rear window aspects of it. Like yeah. those people never interact with. See, and that's the other reason I feel like that's got to be real. Okay. So they never interact with Anna, nope. which would be realistic. You know, the other, that's why I feel like the teacher's interacting with her. If that, you know, if we go with uh, my, my theory that it was in her head, mm-hmm. um, that would make sense that that's fake because they're interacting with her where in the real world, these strangers aren't interacting with her. And the other thing is, those people, the ones that kill their son, they show up at Helga's store and yeah. they say, I have these baby monitors, I'm getting feeds. And they're like, oh, so other people can hear us? And he gets mad and leaves. So like, that's real time. Yes. But what they said is that they keep hearing a woman sobbing, if I remember correctly. So to me, and as by herself in that timeline, and she's crying herself to sleep. 
So all they're hearing is crying of a woman's crying. Or did I just make that up? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what they says. Like all we I hear honestly, is a woman crying. I honestly don't remember so, that. It, it very well could be. I just don't remember it for some reason. And I want to like watch it and find out because I don't yes. recall. So, so I believe that, and this is in the, the present timeline with Helge, is that, uh, you know, she's got the monitor because she had it from when Anders was still with her. And she's, she's just crying herself nightly, nightly, nightly. And that's what these people hear. Right. But they're still, but what, hmm. so is what she, so, so to, so, so to, to me, uh, the kid in the red jacket dies in her timeline in yeah. the present timeline before Anders dies because remember Anders transfers the bruises of the kid that's always right. wet onto himself yeah. so so he's like taking the pain away yeah exactly that's there that's that's how I understood it yeah yeah but I feel like there's problems there too but, and I'm just not wrapping my head around it <laughs> but there, there are problems because then she goes to the school and they're like, Anders has all these bruises. Right. Yeah. But exactly. Anna is still living with Anders. So did Anna inflict those bruises upon himself? Or are they the bruises that present? Yeah. See, that's where it gets a little fuzzy again. Where do the bruises come from? Is it because she's clutching him too tightly? I she think won't let him go. She's Maybe she's squeezing him hard when she's he's violent. Sleeping? I think. I, I, I don't, I don't. I never got the feeling that she could hurt him. Oh, I did. And she you never got that. She really? does. She physically, uh, it's in her head, but she physically grabs him and jumps out of a window to try to kill him. Well, no, but that's more of a romantic thing at the end. Like, I oh, will always be together. Like, Thumb and Louise going off the cliff. Well, that's like, that's how I, I yeah, took him. Yeah, but you know? still, I mean, that's hurting him. But but I, I think the if if she actually did that in the past timeline, it's because the fa- it's a better outcome than living with the father because he's worse. See, I don't. So it's better off to be dead than to suffer. I guess I'm not sold on the father being this terrible person because even okay. So they have those the documents that say the father did this, but then the CPS people are like, oh, that's not true. You were the only person who was there as the witness. And basically, the judge doesn't believe that you're telling the truth anymore. Well, just it's a he said, she said, because she starts lying. Right. right? And so if she's if she's a known liar and she's known crazy, I guess why would we believe her on this aspect? <sighs> well, right off the bat, in these cases, usually the woman is, is, uh, is right in the eyes of the law until proven otherwise. Right. You know and what I mean? Like Exactly. Let's so a- that would give even more credence to the fact that she was wrong because eventually the law thinks that she's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a definite answer for you. Right. Yeah. I, all we can do is speculate on what ifs. Right. Uh, it's, it, and that, that's my problem with this film. And there's so many what ifs and what was that? And mm-hmm. and I think but that's this is, it's a good discussion. Though. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a good film discussion, but... Uh, that's what I think yeah. that's what I like about it though. Like I like okay. e- it even more that you've opened up these other these questions to me. Like I loved it initially and there's just so much more to it that you can unravel and pick apart. It makes me want to watch it like four more times and see what I'm missing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't normally feel that way after we're done discussing them. And so that makes it interesting. Well, you know, it's free on Voodoo right now with commercials. It is. That's what I've heard. <laughs> 
So yeah, like 20 second commercials every 15 minutes or so. So uh, is it, is it, <laughs> it's the same fucking commercial. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I'm just kind of, I feel like we've, we've picked apart a lot and I'm just trying to see if there was any other like moments or anything that I wanted to talk about. Anything else that kind of stands out to you? Any, any moments at all? Well, I do. Again, Helge is such a nice guy and he, but, and he's also, he's, da- he's as damaged as she is because mm-hmm. she lo- like Anna lost her son. He lost his mom. And I think he sees comfort in her because they can kind of maybe grieve together. You know, because they're two broken people trying to fix each other up. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that even though he stormed off after he feels she lied to him, um, he does come back because he cares about her. Like mm-hmm. he really does care about her. Um, so, so I, I, I like that aspect. He was there till the end, even though like, you know, he had the gender with the blood, he gets the cops going. Um, uh, you know, he, he, he truly wants to make sure she's all right. Even though she's not, um, so I really, I really love that character. I, I really did. Um, I, I felt bad for him because you know the the film. Oh yeah, he's the film ends. She's jumped out. He's alone again, or maybe not. You know, maybe right. she survives. We don't know that. Um, but it's just it's it's a tragic end to a really sad character. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we have. I feel like we have different takes on Anna herself like I feel like sure to you she's very sympathetic innocent and uh I guess that I guess those two words are it well she's an abuse victim you know yeah that's exactly yeah I don't I don't get that at all okay I feel like she is there's there's more to it than is being played up I feel like she is Something is wrong psychologically that's oh, sure. causing her to commit this violence maybe that she's not remembering okay. or making up this violence with the father. Um, and she it is she is sympathetic because what she is going on is, is something, you know, that needs to be treated. But I don't feel like she's this innocent person at all. I never really got that throughout it. And so I think it's just interesting that we have different takes on her when watching the same okay. movie. And that's okay. This no, is actually yeah. our, our better discussions because we don't right. agree with anything. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's a good dela we've had. Exactly. And I think it, there's just so much. So like at this point I wrote down, like there's so much going on here. So you get like, this is when the creepy friend made the return staring at Helga as he was about to take the picture. And then like the rear window shit, um, like the psychological shit, the, the CPS scumbag. Yeah. And like there's just so much going on and, and it still feels like an incredibly intimate film. Yet there's so much happening. It, it, it's it's it is because most of the film takes place in her her very small apartment. Yeah, you know, narrow right. corridors, small rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's very claustrophobic in a way. It's very it's very yeah. introspective. Um, right. so it, it's interesting. Like so, like when she actually does go out in public, when she goes to see Helgi at his Best Buy style store, um, you kind of right. feel you can exhale a bit because she's so tense mm-hmm. all the time. But it just seems a little tension is released when she's outside of that apartment. Right. And just that moment when the creepy kid finally speaks, we talked about before, like when he speaks Mm -hmm. with Helge. And when he says the words, she does the same thing that your mom did. Like I had goosebumps all over my body. Like my body. I was just like genuinely fucked up at that point. I was like, oh my God. And that, and that's what I just, I got 
violence from the way that was spoken and the way it was said, that whole scene. Yeah. It just felt like he was referring to violence and the way Helge reacted to it. And that's kind of where I'm getting my my thoughts on Anna I, I, a See, little bit. And and I didn't get the violence part, but I mm-hmm. got the, the crushingness of it that she's so overprotective that it's yeah. suffocating him. So that's what mm-hmm. I got is that he's so meek and mal-mannered because he wasn't able to develop his own personality. It was all, you know, yeah. it was a lot of like, yes, mom, you know, and like, I'll do this, mom. Um, so, so to me, it wasn't violence, but it was just, you know, she, he was his mom's life, you know, he, uh, mm-hmm. he was the reason for her living. So now that she's gone, that's off his shoulders and like, he can actually be himself now. So I kind of yeah. got more of that side of things. Yeah. No, that's interesting. How explain this? How oh, were <laughs> she was found in the parking lot? How were her clothes wet? That's a very good question. Yeah. I'm thinking she probably jumped into a puddle. Yeah. That's that's my guess. She mm-hmm. dove into a puddle, so she's got the road rash on her face and right. she's got damn clothes. She wasn't soaking, but she's got damn clothes. Dirty water, you know, leaves, car exhaust, whatever fluids. So mm-hmm. to, to me, uh, she probably fell into a puddle of water or jumped into a puddle of water in the parking lot. And that's why she's all scraped up. That's my that's my understanding of it. Yeah. So the other thing that kind of threw me or so Anders was we find out that Anders was killed specifically two years ago. And they say it was by the dad. So I guess I forgot about that part when we were talking about if the dad was guilty or innocent innocent yeah because is am i wrong like that's what they say right that he was killed by the, his dad two years ago that's what i understood yeah so what was she this didn't feel like a long period of time that she was at this this apartment or w- that we were spending with her it felt like maybe a matter of a couple weeks few weeks yeah and so if he was killed two years ago i don't know it just but to me, again, I don't know. It's so weird. That's why I'm going with the two timeline story is that we see them moving into the place while he's still there. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't been able to like, to move on since his death. And that's why she's so fraught with emotion that, you know what? I'm going to spend my life with my, my, my existence with you. And that's why she jumps. It's because she can't bear not being with him anymore. And that's why she jumps at the end. But she's she did not move for that period of time. Like she's always been in that apartment hallucinating or whatever, seeing what she sees. Right. So, so that's why I, I like the two timeline uh, theory mm-hmm. because we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing two different, uh, you know, well, timelines. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, we're right. Seeing, we're seeing two things at once. Seamlessly, yeah. though. It's seamless. And that's why I had mm-hmm. to watch it a second time because I'm like, and that's what, why, yeah. what did I miss, you know? Mm-hmm. I completely, completely out to lunch. I, it could, I could be so far from the truth. I really don't know. I mean, we both probably are. It's probably something – in reality, it's probably a mix of – uh, of what our opinions are uh, mixed sure. with something else entirely, you know. But yeah, very possible. I, you know, what I want to see next it, because poor fucking Helga. I want, I want to see a Norwegian rom rom com with Helga's character meeting this wonderful woman and then falling in love and having babies. That's what I want to see next. 
I would enjoy the sequel. I would enjoy that as a musical. <laughs> yes, of course, it's got to be a musical. Yeah. But if you want like Bollywood style, if you want to see uh, that uh, actor, uh, let me go back to what his name was here, um, Christopher Jonner. Uh, I checked his MDB uh, before recording. He was yeah. also in the Wave, which I saw at Fantastic Fest back in 2014. Oh, it's like okay. Dante's Peak, but with yeah. water instead of fire. Interesting. Oh, he's in the Let the Right One In uh, TV series pilot also. Oh, I didn't know they made a TV series. Yeah. Oh, I had no clue. I've, I've not seen it, but I, I I knew they were making it. I don't know if it actually even got past the pilot at this point. I think they may have just done the pilot. Interesting. But uh, yeah, like after watching this film, I want to watch The Wave again. And I kind of want to watch the Dragon Tattoo Trilogy, even though the first one's pretty dark as well. Right. But, you know, she gets her revenge. And uh, exactly. Anna deserves her revenge. You know, they have the extended edition because we were talking about making an arc of that at one point. They have the extended edition on... Uh, Netflix right now. I don't know about Netflix Canada, but on Netflix US, they have the oh, yeah. extended edition trilogy. I bought, so. I bought the extended edition, I think, on Boxing Day Friday or something. Um, oh, okay. Now. I got I got two copies of the films, but that's cool. And I have yeah. a uh, a poster for The Girl Who Played Fire, and it's so fun. Oh, okay. I got the uh, Swedish, uh, a Swedish copy. So I got to go to Ikea mm-hmm. to get myself a frame. It's it's so hot, though. It's It's her uh on like the hood of a of the car and there's like flames in the background it looks so badass oh i can't wait to put it up very cool yeah excellent all right so what are your final thoughts and your star rating for the monitor final thoughts okay so my um my thoughts on the film have changed slightly after we spoke about this tonight yeah i think that's fair to say for both of us yeah yeah <laughs> I, I finished watching the film the first time again, being so confused that I didn't like it. Um, I originally gave it on Letterboxd two out of five stars, which really would translate to one and a half out of four here. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then after rewatching it a second time, still confused. I still had really no answers to any of my questions. Um, and then, of course, watching it alone both times, I couldn't talk to anybody else about it. And we're not going to talk about it prior to the podcast because right. that's, this is where the magic happens. Um, exactly. So I initially disliked the film. Um, I still think so far in this arc, it's my least favorite of the films. But all the films have been pretty fun so far. This one's a little bleaker. Not that that's mm-hmm. a, a negative point because it's just a different film. But I think just the unanswered questions really kind of started for me i don't need to uh i don't need to have like a paint by numbers like tutorial on everything i see but i I would like some questions answered um but i do feel a little better after talking to you about it so i think i'm gonna give this a two out of four so i'm gonna give this a a, a pass um okay i maybe if people can chime in about this and if I'm more, if I'm right about my theories, I might bump it up two and a half. Uh, but because it's right. so up in the air um, and ambiguous, I'm going to give it a two out of four star review. Okay. Very good. So two stars from Mark. Man, the monitor. It's okay. So it, it's just, an, it's an, first off, it's another shining example of why Norwegian horror has quickly become one of my favorite types of films to watch. It absolutely fucked with my mind from the beginning to the end. And though I do think the payoff was better in Next Door, which also fucked with my mind the entire time, 
I just I feel like the ride to that payoff was completely enthralling. I love that this director puts us in the same headspace as the characters, just like he did with Next Door. And it really it helps keeps thing it helps keep things moving forward because we just we genuinely don't know what in the bloody hell is going on. Is it been made bloody uh you know apparent by the past hour of this podcast? Um and this isn't really a mystery either, though, because it's not about figuring it out per se, but allowing just this crazed tale to take us over. And it was definitely effective for me. The ending may leave a bit to be desired, but I think it works well enough within with the story they're telling here. Um, it is an insanely sad movie when you think about it. And the way the actors handle the situation is is just perfect. Numi Rapaz and, and uh, Jennifer, or Jennifer, she's... Um, Christopher? Christopher Joner, mixing his names up, um, are, are are brilliant here. I absolutely love them. And they work so well together. They were so fascinating to watch when they were on screen together. I really love this one. Even though I don't have the answers and don't know exactly what I watched necessarily, I loved it. And I just think it's another great Norwegian mindfuck that was absolutely worth my time. So I'm giving the monitor three and a half out of four stars. Oh, wow. Yes. I... I had a, I don't know. I just, it, it sucked me in and didn't let me go until the uh, credits were rolling. So that's awesome. I loved it. Yeah. So one more to go. And this is the first one that I will have seen before. No, second one I will have seen before we actually talk about it on the podcast. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited for the next one. Excellent. So now that we are well over the two hour mark, let's jump over to round 51 of the best thing, the backlog challenge. Okay. So this, of course, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder for this feature, each of us looks at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of that film. So to remind everyone what we were uh, watching for this week. So uh, Ash chose 1996's Bad Moon for me to watch. And I, of course, like you mentioned earlier, chose 1965s for a few dollars more for you to watch, Mark. Yes. So I will, uh, I'll jump in here with Bad Moon real quick. Okay. So uh, Bad Moon is another one from my Scream Factory collection. Um, and I think I got it during one of those, I think it was like a Love Bites sale that they do around Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, I'm sure I didn't pay a lot for it because it's not a collector's edition. And I knew virtually nothing about the movie going in other than it was a werewolf movie. So I'm pretty sure I got it cheap, but... Um, so this one is a werewolf movie that feels firmly planted in the mid nineties. Um, a single mom and her boy invite her brother to come park his trailer outside their home. But it turns out that there've been animal attacks around the area recently. And of course, this is where the werewolves come in. Now I can't really say much else because if I do, I pretty much give away the entire plot, which is paper thin. Um, and I think that's really the problem with Bad Moon. It just, it doesn't give us much. It really, really feels like a 90s family drama, but it isn't deep enough to work only on that level either. Um, the werewolf aspects are fun, but there's so little surrounding it that, that it just feels hollow. Um, you know, but even with that said, I still found the movie entertaining. I, I like the werewolf aspects of it uh, well enough. And this just this 90s aesthetic is something that I personally happen to enjoy. So I like that about it. There isn't a whole lot else to say about Mad Bad Moon, really. Um, it has decent special effects, but a very disappointing transformation scene, which I think is generally how people rate re- werewolf movies. Um, so that left a lot to be desired. But 
you know, I did I did like uh, the acting from Thor, who is really our main protagonist. And Thor actually is the family's German shepherd dog. So, um, and it's interesting because the title of the book that this film is based off of is Thor. And so, I mean, it's just more proof that this movie really is all about the dog. Um, I like that about it, though, is it helps set it apart from some other werewolf films. I thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, Bad Moon, it just reeks of mediocrity for better or worse. So I'm going to give Bad Moon two out of four stars. Have you seen this one? No, that's one I have not seen yet. Okay. I'd be interested because I know you, I think you own it, you said, right? With from uh, Scream Factory? I don't think I do. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's one that I have not picked up as of yet. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So how uh, – go ahead and talk about the last in that trilogy that you need to talk about for a few dollars more. Okay, for a few dollars more from 1965, again, directed by Sergio Leone, uh, the second of three films of the Man Without uh, a Name uh, trilogy. Um, so again, I did watch all these films back to back to back within a matter of days. So this one, uh, again, stars uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, co-starring Lee Van Cleef. And they are rival bounty hunters, both going after the same bounty. And uh, after some really creative gunplay, they decide to team up to get the bad guys. Um, the main bad guy is the uh, is El Indio, aka the Indian, played by Gian Maria Volente, who is also uh, in the uh, first film, uh, Fistful of Dollars. Um, of course. Fistful of Dollars, Two Dollars More, and The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Same universe, but really, it's all different characters. Like, even Clint Eastwood in this one, he dresses the same. So I think he, he plays the same character, but same actors will go into different movies, play different characters, and, like, he doesn't recognize them because it's just it's just different people. Okay? <laughs> gotcha. Um, because in this one, Lee Van Cleef seems more like the older bounty hunter, graying hair, grayer mustache. Um, it was pretty apparent that he had his hair colored in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Fair enough. Um, what's awesome. So these guys are hunting this posse and, uh, for the bounty. Um, what I was surprised to see, which I didn't expect was Klaus Kinski. Um, he, uh, is known for movies like, uh, Crawl Space. He did a lot of Warner Herzog films. Yeah. Well, he, he plays, uh, a hunchback in this film called, uh, Juan Wild. So <laughs> it was cool to see him. I think he was the only Caucasian in the, uh, in the posse. And then he gets dispatched by Lee Van Cleef, uh, earlier, uh, in the movie. Um, again, it's, it's a Spanish production. Or it's an Italian production, but it was, I believe, filmed in Spain. So a lot of uh, Italian and Spanish guys. Um, so, you know, they try to make this look like the Wild West, but there's a big Spanish influence to the mm-hmm. film. Thus, a spaghetti Western. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but I, I really dug it. I really enjoy. I really enjoyed this trilogy. And now the more I think about it, I think all films are on equal footing. Um, but if I had to pick, this would probably be my least favorite out of the three. Oh, okay. But even... It being the least favorite, yeah. it's a strong fucking film. Um, like this is easily a three out of four star film. Oh, good. Good and the bad. Uh, I think I gave it three and a half, and I think Pistol of Dollars. If I could, I give it three seventy five. Like it's so close together. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, all three are fantastic. My only gripe with this box set, which by the way, is chock full of special features. You've got commentaries with historians. You've got interviews. You've got like, it's, it's full 
of special features if that's your thing. But what mm-hmm. I discovered when I got to the last movie, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, you know the security stickers that they have, like those black stickers that, you know? Yeah. Well, the sticker was actually on the fucking disc. Oh, what? Yeah, it was on the Blu-ray. Oh. So I had to I had to peel it off and then I had to rub the glue off so it didn't stick into my into my PS4 after the oh, fact. Lordy. Um so I've never seen it before, but whoever I got to check mine uh, now. Yeah, whoever produced it. Oh, do you have that box set? Yeah, the Man with No Name trilogy on Blu-ray. Oh yeah, dude, yep. watch it. But yeah, um my my black security sticker was actually on the disc of the good bad nearly. So um, I lost a bit of, I guess, paint, if you will, on the yeah. top because some of the adhesive stuck to the disc too much. Um, no big deal. I took care of it. It's clean now. It plays well. So no, like no harm, no foul. But right. come on, man, that's bad quality. And uh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So I, was, I should have taken a picture and I, I was going to, but mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, I just want to start the movie. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I give this film, uh, I, I said three out of four stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. but they're all solid movies. Like I've become a fan. I'll be honest. I've become a fan of these things, of these spaghetti westerns. And I want to see more of, uh, Clint Eastwood's back, uh, uh, filmography because, uh, they're all fantastic films. Very cool. Yeah. Axel, I'm glad you liked it. Very good. I'm glad you liked that trilogy as a whole. Yes. Very happy with it. Awesome. Cool. So let's figure out what we were going to be watching for next week, which as of now is slated to be our last best in, best in the backlog challenge, but who knows? Who knows what we'll end up doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see. So I was going through your filmography or your list and I don't believe you've seen this one because I checked, I cross-referenced Letterboxd and you do not have a rating for it. So okay. uh, I, this is actually one that Brent was talking about. Uh, he watched, I believe over this past weekend um, and I've seen it as well. I thought it was decent. Better than a similar movie that came out the year prior. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to have you watch from 2017. Yeah. 47 meters down. Ah, okay. All right. So the shark film, I, I liked it better than the shallows. So yes, you will as well. Okay. And for yourself, um, since I saw that you had not seen it yet, and I yeah. recently watched one of his films, and he is up for an Oscar this year. Um, oh, okay. I would like you to watch Crimson Peak from twenty. Oh, very good. Twenty fifteen, I believe. Uh, Excellent. I believe it's twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Um, yeah, one of those. It two. is twenty fifteen. Crimson Peak. Twenty fifteen. Yes. Perfect. I really enjoyed it. So we'll see what you think. That's funny because I was thinking about um, like arcs, potential arcs, okay. and I was trying to figure out how we could do something Guillermo del Toro related. Oh, dude. But I just feel like it'd be so hard because there's so many. And it's like, I was thinking, well, what if we do like then, Guillermo del Horror? Or, and it's like how, but like most of his shit is horror. So it's like, ah, it's gonna be so hard. Criterion has that trilogy box set. Let's do a right, let's yeah. do that box set. Uh, it's Pan's Labyrinth. It's The Orphanage yep. and... Devil's Backbone. And you know what? I've, I've only seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've been dying to watch the other two films. Yeah, I've only seen the orphanage, and I want to see the other so two. So, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a very good option. Very I good would, option for, be, for an arc. I'd be keen on that. That'd be lots of fun. So that that's not a spoiler. We're not telling you that's no, what we're doing, no, no, but that's an no, option. We'll, we'll, next week yes. we will reveal where we are heading next. Yes. Um, we are going to semantics. We have a couple really cool options in mind, so we'll see where we go. Yeah. But excellent. So just a reminder. So I am watching 2015's Crimson mm-hmm. Peak. You are watching 2017's 47 Meters Down. And Ash, when he gets back in the podcast, we'll talk about an extremely goofy movie. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Very good. Yes. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. So we will be back next Monday, March 12th, with a review of Let the Right One In from 2008. So as always, if you have any questions for us here at the podcast, hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for any questions you'd like to hear us answer here on the show. Again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And, and if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you may be listening to us. All those reviews, uh, all those positive reviews, I should say, help us reach a larger audience. So really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to leave us that review and appreciate you telling your friends about us. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with our listeners there. You can find us uh, at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all those platforms. Though, to be fair, I don't really use YouTube too, too terribly much anymore. They have just completely turned me off as a new content creator trying to break in. I just, I'm so, I've just lost so much interest in it and it pisses me off. Like I- Have you tried that new Mo? Uh, which one? App that just came out? V-E-M-O? No, I'll have to look into it. Apparently it's a big rage right now because like Instagram, but without the shitty algorithms and more nudity. I signed up for it, but I kind of like, I've already disregarded it. Oh, gotcha. I'll have to check it out. I might, yeah, I might look into it when I really, you know, when I have more time. Yeah. But uh, at least I got my name down. So nobody can take my username. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Totally true. But yeah, so I, I, I would love to bring more video content. It's just, it's so much work. And it's such low turnout. It's just, it, it's such a turn off, you know? So yeah. yeah, but anyway, make sure you're following on those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners where else they can find you online. Okay. So you can find me on uh, Instagram and on uh, Letterboxd at uh, mnado 2 That's uh, M-N-A-D-E-A-U-0-2. And you can find me on uh Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Nadeau. So that's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. Excellent. You can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And I'm on Letterboxd under that same name, Simon1. All right. What a discussion. Yeah. It was thought-provoking. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed I, it. I know. I hope we get some listener feedback here. I want to hear I want to hear your guys' opinions. Hopefully, you guys will chime in with uh, what you thought about the monitor as well. Please. If you can answer a question, please do so. I'll be eternally grateful. Right. And if you know the director, hook us up. Yes. We got to get an interview. I want to be pal's pal. <laughs> exactly. Right. Ah. All right. So thank you to everybody for listening to episode 121 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>